What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast after a week hiatus because I was very much under the weather. Uh, Sean and I are back uh, with a Wednesday rundown on a Thursday. Uh, Today, we jumped right in and we talked college football. Following that, we talked MLB offseason and hot stove. After that, we talked our NBA teams. We will be going around the league soon. And then we talked week 17 of the NFL season. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports and enjoy the pod. there from about Thursday to this Tuesday and then well also my Wi-Fi went out um, even before I was sick so I had to deal with Verizon and honestly they might have been the ones that made me sick um, just with I was sickened by customer service and that's why I got the sickest <laughs> I've ever been um, but we're back um, I'm still a little raspy but aside from that I, I'm good to go I'm here uh, no fever I went to work today um, the best abilities availability and knock on wood that knock on wood. I got my one little bit of sickness out of the way for 2023, nice and early. I certainly hope so for your sake, man. Yeah. It sounded like you were in really rough shape. So it's great to hear your voice. Yeah. albeit raspy. It is good to be doing this pod again. Obviously we have a lot of news and everybody, we will touch on Darvin Hamlin's situation yeah. uh, when we get to our NFL point, but uh, we got to start off with some college football. Tom, maybe while you were fighting off this fever, you were able to watch two the two best college football playoff games since its inception yeah. uh, in 2013 and or 2014. And honestly, I got to say, man, this I was really hoping after this that they would reconsider and say we're going to keep it at four at four teams because this was fucking incredible. Yeah, you know that's not going to happen, unfortunately. So let's try and enjoy it while it's here. Um, just two incredible games. TCU feels like it should have won. Uh, Georgia does not, but they escaped. I feel like every team that goes undefeated has that one game a year where they probably should have lost, but they didn't. Um, that leads me to believe that Georgia is going to blow the doors off TCU. In my opinion, you got other notable bowls listed here. Sean, you know how I feel. The game doesn't matter. I don't fucking care, but I know you want to talk about your Bama fucking, Real tides over there, so we'll get to that. But let's talk about the Fiesta Bowl first. TCU beats Michigan. They hold on 51 to 45, a late, I'd say, mid second quarter through second half push was fended off. Uh, Michigan was throwing the kitchen sink at them, but TCU came out and what did they get off to like a, a 21 to nothing lead or 21, 21 to three? Nothing. Something yeah. like that. Um, and and I mean, they, Michigan at the beginning was looking like they were going to get boat raced. Their quarterback looked like he was fucking lost in the weeds. Uh, the quarterback on the other side, what's his name? Du- is it Duggan? Max Duggan. 
Duggan, yep. he was just an absolute savage, making throws all over the field. Their running back tandem looked amazing. And, the, you know, Michigan is that big, we're going to punch you in the mouth team. They did it to Ohio State, the only game that they played aside from this one that really mattered this year. They came out, punched him in the mouth a bunch of times, and they just didn't get back off the mat. TCU fucking flipped the script on Michigan real quick. This game was really compelling in a lot of different ways. Um, obviously, Michigan got the, blo- the doors blown off of them last year, albeit with a different quarterback, and to the eventual national champion Georgia Bulldogs in the semifinal. But, Tom, they couldn't have gotten off to a worse start. I don't know what the hell it was. I mean, McCarthy looked like a shell of himself. Dug Two in picks. And that, yeah, and that running back tandem, I mean, they were just – I mean, it, there was nothing that vaunted Michigan Big Ten defense, yes, I say that pejoratively, could do against this team. But this is where the game was lost to me. Three times Michigan had the ball at the one-yard line yeah. to punch in a touchdown. And instead of using that big, bully, bulldozing type Big Ten offense where you just run behind the maulers on the offensive line, probably several that'll be first-round picks eventually. What the hell are they doing? They're looking like a Big 12, Pac-12 offense, like spreading everybody out. They left 21 points on the one-yard line. One-yard line. If they had just scored more than three points, they didn't score twice and then kicked a field goal once. If they didn't score three times and kicked a field goal once. If they had just scored one touchdown, they win this game. Yeah, this was uh, this was a bad, bad showing for Harbaugh. Horrible. And now you're you got this dance again with him and the potential, you know, Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper, and he, he of course makes his statement. We go through this every year with Harbaugh. I'm kind of over it. Either either jump or don't. But for God's yeah. sake, you cannot lose this game. And Ryan Rosillo made a great point on his podcast on Monday talking about why Michigan and Ohio State have struggled. And obviously, we'll talk about Ohio State here in a second. I did not think they struggled. I, for a long time, think they vastly outplayed Georgia. But, Tom, these teams don't fucking play anybody. And I know I put in the other notable bowls. We're not going to dissect them. But Penn State beat Utah, which I thought was a very nice win. They were the number 11 team in the country. Uh, but Utah's quarterback got hurt. I'm not taking anything away from Penn State. That's easily the next best team. The the the. The Big Ten West is atrocious. You play Purdue, Iowa. These two teams, Ohio State and Michigan, literally play all year out just so they can play that one game against each other that matters more than anything. They don't play anybody else, and it shows. Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, I think that's that's got to be on Harbaugh as well as although Ohio State played a played a really good game, and again, I think that they should have won that game. I think you got to discredit Coach – is it Day? Yeah, it's Coach Day and obviously mm-hmm. Coach Harbaugh where it's like – I know these schedules are made like fucking 20 years in advance at this point, but like, okay, look at year 21 and like you guys need to do a better fucking job at scheduling out-of-conference games. And I know – that every single fucking game matters. But it's not going to anymore because we're going to 12 teams. So let's sharpen our fucking swords a little bit here and stop playing like Rutgers. And, and, and I mean, I know you have to, but you need to play better yeah. out-of-conference games. Yeah, I think Ohio State does a better job than Michigan does scheduling some of these games. I mean, I think each of them generally – Michigan, for sure, always plays uh, – uh, um, Notre so Dame, bowl. which again really doesn't matter. But, but they're always Notre playing Dame. at least one Appalachian State, 
And then and, and don't get me wrong. All teams do that though. But but don't get me wrong. I understand that fucking Alabama plays like you know I, they played two two or three teams this year that nobody matters. But every other fucking team in the SEC, even the bad ones, is a goddamn war. The rest of the Big Ten, especially on in their on their side, was an absolute joke. So you need to strengthen your out of conference schedule. I completely agree with you. I think that they can only do so much with out of conference games. You have you know the bulk of your schedule is going to be played in conference. Alabama, yes, they always schedule a tougher game, usually the first game of the year against somebody else. But generally speaking, the reason that the SEC seems to hold up more than the Big Ten, dude, is because the SEC is just flat out fucking better. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly what it's I said. Not even close. When yeah. and that's why I think that these these Big Ten teams need to emphasize, especially when you can lose a game or two coming into the 12 team playoff they need to emphasize playing better teams throughout the season when they have the ability to when they can control that part of their schedule because i mean what are you going to do say well the rest of the big 10 needs to get better no you need to take control of your program and play some fucking better teams the only pushback i would have is generally in the middle of the season you're not playing out of conference games those happen early in the season right so once you're into conference play you can only play who you have on your schedule i understand that which is why i think early on in the year you need to fucking you know maybe the second game of the season third game of the season you need to play like a clemson as opposed to an app state well they they still do i I, i'm not I'm not completely pushing back because I hear your point, but where I'm getting at is if you play a better team week two and literally three and a half, almost four months later, you're playing, you know, in the college football playoff and the best team you see over a three month span is each other, you know, Michigan and Ohio state respectively, that shows that the rest of the big 10 and why I always shit on it. This is not an sec fan, you know, pontificating here it the big 10 stinks and it's not been good for a long time and even when michigan state has their years and they're ranked and penn state had a year like this tom did we ever once think that penn state was going to be competing for a national championship did we ever once think that they were going to beat michigan or ohio state in that matchup no if they hang around in the third quarter it's fun all right, and then you've got, you know, the Big Ten championship game. I mean, what, you're playing Iowa, who doesn't score more than 10 points, maybe Minnesota, maybe fucking um, Northeast. who was it, Purdue or this Northwest, year. Like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like this, it's such an absolutely top-heavy, not only division, but also just conference at large. So these teams are not prepared for what the rest of the nation throws at them. With, but there's, and I'm but not like you said, there's not, a better team. There's not much that they can do about it. But you know right. what? You got UCLA and you and got I'm not USC. Shit on Ryan Day, by the way, this guy has a really good record. <laughs> no, he does. He and like and, and college football, in my opinion, you know, NFL is is much more about X's and O's. Not saying that you need to be a, a you know a, a terrible coach to get away in college football, but it's about recruiting. And this guy has a top three recruiting class every single season. He's got four stars and five stars at every single position. So he's doing a great job. And anybody that calls for his head at Ohio State is a fucking idiot because they lose one to two games a year, and you're always in the dance, right? So I, I would never, I would never ever say that he needs to he that his job needs to be called for, but. I just think that they need to do a better job scheduling at the beginning of the year. But if you disagree with that, then fine. All I'm going to say is, I mean, the playing field's going to be leveled a little bit more because some better teams are going to be coming to the Big Ten relatively soon, right? I think that's what it is, man. And I'm not totally disagreeing with your premise. It's just 
the, the gap of time between which you would schedule one of these harder games. Like I remember Michigan had a home and home with Bama. I mean, Bama absolutely wrecked them. And I don't think Michigan lost again the rest of the way until Ohio's the Ohio state game. So like you are scheduling some really good teams early on. And like you said, some of it too, these are done 20 years in advance. So like, Okay, when you scheduled, let's say, Michigan or Ohio State schedule USC, when USC has Caleb Williams, and then let's say Lincoln Riley and your boy leave, okay, well, now all of a sudden you're playing a team that's not even going to finish in the top 50. So, like, you can really only control what you can control. But the conference at whole, I, the Big Ten is not good. And I'm so sick and tired of people talking about, like, the Big Ten is a really good conference. It's two teams. And I would say this about Michigan. I didn't think that they should have beaten Georgia last year. Their victory, their national championship, was the Ohio State game because that was Jim Harbaugh's first win against Ohio State. This year, they should have beaten TCU. I love TCU. I love everything fucking about them. They deserve to win this game. But Michigan's the better team. Ohio State, I didn't think they were better than Alabama last year. And I definitely didn't think that they were better than Georgia this year. But they gave Georgia everything they had. Yeah, they absolutely did. And and Stetson Bennett decided to wake up in the second half in that game and make some plays and and. Georgia got some really lucky breaks, and and but you know what? I don't fault them for that because they've played flawless football up until this point. And some, in order to win a national championship, you look at, you know, a few years back, um, you know, last year Alabama could have won. The, Georgia got lucky with the injury to the wide receiver that's on the Jamison Williams, and uh, you know, a few years ago when LSU won, didn't somebody on Alabama get hurt? Well, Tua wasn't playing. Yeah, to, exactly. So it's well. That was that was LSU. That was LSU Clemson, but LSU had knocked off Bama yeah. in the regular so season. So you always yeah. need a little bit of luck. Georgia got their luck, and now I think they're going to go into into the TCU game and just fucking roll. They're going to say we can't let that happen again. We we got away with one there, and now we're going to go and win this one. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think I think a lot of what Georgia is is again they're conditioned to this, right? I mean, in the SEC. You know, you are playing three or four games a year where you easily could lose. Absolutely. You know, Florida has been very good. Not as much this year, but they're good. They have been. You Obviously, Tennessee this year was the number one team in the country. I know they, they dispatched of them. But they play Alabama for what seemed like every single year in the SEC championship game. And even last year, Alabama beat them. So, like, they're used to having to scratch and claw their ways out of games to try to win. I mean, they are the epitome of a team that has been through the ringer. So they are the, they are the national champions for a reason. They might do it again. And I agree with you. I think they should roll TCU. But I want to give TCU some credit. That team came out. We've seen teams who are undermanned, maybe probably shouldn't be on the same field, kind of cower and crawl up into a ball. They completely asserted themselves in this game like you said from the jump and it was just so impressive i mean duggan i have no idea what he's going to be i also want to just say this point and get your thoughts you know we talk about these great college quarterbacks that are going to come out this year should be a great draft right so you got stetson bennett and max duggan who i don't care what they're going to be as pros can everybody just shut the fuck up and appreciate what these guys are doing as college quarterbacks because they're both awesome yeah let's just enjoy them for what they are i mean every i swear to god it's like ever since you know, it seems like it changed in the in the um, Brady Quinn, Matt Liner, Tim Tebow era where we couldn't just enjoy them for all three of those guys having incredible college careers. They had to be great pros. They all fizzled out, and now they have a stain on their name. Let's just fucking enjoy what we have here. 
hundred percent. I don't think either stories. of them are going to be very good, but they were great college quarterbacks. Right. I mean, I think most notably, I think Tebow. Tebow is probably the greatest college quarterback of all time, and he was a bad pro because you know why? His game never would have translated to being a good pro. So exactly. I'm excited. I was so amped about these games, man. Um, you know, we finally got two unbelievable games. I'm not going to hold my breath for that next year or eventually when we get to the 12, but it was just such a great day of college football. And now we've got a national championship game uh, here in four days. So I believe the line was 13 and a half last time I checked. It's 13 or 13 and a half, Tom. I'm okay. favoring the Bulldogs. Where do you where do you see this game? I think Georgia's going to win by probably 10 or more. I don't know. That's that's a hefty spread, but they could if they if Georgia plays a good game, I don't care if TCU plays a great game, Georgia's going to win. If Georgia plays a great game, they're going to win by 20. You got a score for us? Mm, sure. Uh Georgia 42 um TCU 30. I like it. So TCU is going to get their points on this defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when it's a high-scoring game at some point, you just open it up a little bit. I mean, I don't see it being a fucking 40 to nothing blowout, but I think that there's – I don't think there's ever going to be a point in this game where it feels like TCU has a chance to win, take the lead, whatever. It's going to be wire to wire. Georgia's going to run out and stomp them out. I got 32-17 Georgia. Okay. So, yeah, they're not even going to get their points there. No, that, not in my opinion anyway. Uh, but, yeah, very fun semifinal. Great day of college football. Great weekend of college football. And, Tom, we're not going to spend too much time on these games because I know you don't want to. They don't have any implications for national titles. But Tennessee finished off a really strong season in the Orange Bowl. They beat Clemson 31-14. Their backup quarterback looked awesome. I don't know if you watched any of this game. I only watched a tiny bit of it. But Clemson's just not very good. And now they have a quarterback issue because uh, DJ left and their next kid didn't really look that great in this game. No, but I also wouldn't be surprised because he's supposed to be a five-star blue chip. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and looks great next year. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's talk about benefit of the doubt. Cotton Bowl Classic at Jerry World. Tulane. Yes, Tulane. <laughs> They upset your USC Trojans 46-45. And once again, very reminiscent of the Pac-12 championship game. It wasn't Caleb's fault. Now we're looking ahead to next season. Um, Lincoln Riley's really got to get busy in the transfer portal. Um, we need some real linebacker help. Uh, this is my last year as a USC Trojan before I enter the transfer portal uh, anyways. But it's a big year for me because I, I think like there's national national championship implications. Um, but, yeah, we just need to surround Caleb with some guys. I like this. We talked about it off the pod. I'm bringing it to the pod right now. I, sure. I know you've declared that you're, want, you, you're going to get your certification from a class from USC. No, I'm out. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, listen, we, we started this pod. You were Ch Chubba Hubbard, you know, go Pokes. You went into Mississippi State because of Mike well, Pokes, Leach. Pokes I eliminated like, because Mike Gundy's a dumb fuck. But. Yeah, yeah. And then you went to Mike Leach, which was really fun. And again, RIP. They won their, they won their bowl game uh, inspired by him, so that was cool. Um, but now you're at USC because you love Caleb. And, and I think that, you know, you texted me about the Tennessee quarterback coming in, the top prospect in the country. You need to Number just two, pick yeah. a team. Yeah, you need to just pick a team every year, every two or three years when your favorite 
player is no longer there. And I think this is going to be good for the pod. We could do like your own national signing day. Absolutely. I can't wait. I'm going to have more national signing days than anybody in the history. The more than that guy, what's his name? Fucking Greg <laughs> Paulus, who played basketball at Duke and then went and became Syracuse's quarterback. And it was like the biggest deal ever. Um, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Nice Paul. I think about it like once a year. I'm like, that's wild, man. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be truly taking full advantage of the transfer portal. I'm going to be taking advantage of the rules that the NCAA has put in place and I'm going to have to be courted. Um, honestly, my recruitment, the transfer portal is an open and shut deal for me. I've already kind of tampered, I guess you would say, and I've already decided to commit to Tennessee uh, verbally. We're going to leave that off a of paper until next right. year when I can officially enter the transfer portal, but I, I'm already in on Tennessee. And we don't have to sit out any years. You know, you, you're just jumping from one team to the next. You don't no, have to and you sit know what? out on the side. When it, when it comes to college football, I really wouldn't mind having to sit out a year, but <laughs> I can't. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking my talents after next year. I'm gonna, I guess we'll break the news now because you got so antsy with it. I'm taking my talents to Knoxville, Tennessee after this. And I'm a Tennessee volunteer. So I'm jumping from the, big, from the Pac-12 um, over to the SEC. Um, I just I felt like I needed to be in a big conference. No, this is exciting. This is exciting. And, hey, if Lincoln Riley continues to do a good job, you know, they're going to be in the Big Ten eventually in a couple of years. So, you know, you can always go back. Well, like, have to, yeah, have we you. have to see. We have to see. I mean, right now, I, I'm I'm already – my flag is planted. You know, you could win me back. Like, you could always have me come back. I could re-throw myself in the transfer portal. But right now, my heart after Caleb, which it will – always belong to Caleb right now until he decides to go on to the NFL after next season. It belongs to Nico Lama Lavala of the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, he's an absolute stud. I got into a little argument with my cousin at work today, not Will, his brother. He says he thinks he's going to get absolutely crushed. And I was like, he's 6'3", runs like a deer, and throws the ball 70 yards on a rope. I think he's going to be okay. Yeah, also, have you seen that Tennessee offense? Like, come on now. They're going to be just fine. Exactly. Um, but this has been very exciting, obviously. And so we're we not walking into this year with USC. We're yeah, yes. This year's USC. I've already do, doors open and closed. I've already verbally committed to Tennessee. After that, we are not Arch Manning uh, fans on this pod. I don't care that he's coming to your town. <laughs> I'll be rooting for him, but not against yeah. my team. Okay. Um, because you know, obviously, Bryce Young declared for the draft, and uh, Alabama ran it up on K State. They got off to a sluggish start, but this game really wasn't anywhere close after the first quarter. Bryce was amazing. Will Anderson was making plays. They went forty-five twenty, and yeah, now Gibbs, the running back, um, Will Anderson, and Bryce Young have all declared. And two of those guys, I mean, Tom, they might each be the one and two overall picks in the draft, depending on where teams end. Yeah, I mean, you know Trent Dilfer is my football North Star. Um, yep. And outside of USC next year, I am a big UAB fan from here until he goes on to his next program. Probably Bama, but we don't know. I mean, he's in the same state, so it would make <laughs> sense. Um, as long as it's not Auburn. Yes. Um, but he he had nothing but good things to say, and he's all in on Bryce Young, so I'm all in on Bryce Young. I think he should be the first quarterback taken off the board. I agree with you. I, I know the size is a question, and I know they delve deep into that on the Rosillo pod and how he's not, you know, 
he, he, there are questions about him, but listen, he doesn't take big hits. A lot of these smaller quarterbacks do. Um, he seems to elude that big hit and he hasn't been injured. So, uh, outside of, you know, couple games this season so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he ends up uh will anderson the top defensive player in this draft will probably be right after him and then in the rose bowl i mentioned it tom uh penn state beat utah rising the quarterback for utah got hurt and it seemed like they just couldn't do anything after that but i was a little impressed with penn state they they scored a lot more points than i thought they would in this game yeah no i mean i don't know do we have to talk about these games i don't care about I'm just mentioning them, and that's it. We're not diving deep into it. I just mentioned that, hey, listen, we just shat on Penn State for not being good enough competition to Ohio State and Michigan, so let's give them their roses for winning their fucking game. Good All on. right, that's enough college football. Thank you. We, we made our predictions. Big. so We made our predictions. We're good to go. All right, Tom, we have one more game, and that's it, and then you don't have to talk about it until next September, and I know you're giddy about that. Hot stove. Tom, this Carlos Correa situation with the Mets is really weird. Remember, guys, we haven't been with you in two weeks. And when we last left, it was the middle of the night. He's got this deal with the Mets, 13 years, 315. And now, Tom, or 12 years, 315, rather, one year less than the San Francisco deal. This deal's still not done, and the Mets found the same issues with his physical that the Giants did. Well, my question is to them is, like, what what did you think? The Giants were fucking lying? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this must be some kind of degenerative on, I don't want to say fixable, but like they must think that this guy, like it's one of those situations where if you remember when the Knicks signed Amari Stoudemire and Phoenix was like, he's going to be done in like mm-hmm. fucking two years. And what happened? The guy was out of the league in two years. Like it's gotta be one of those situations where it's like, this guy is going to give you maybe three years. Like it must really be fucked up. And if there was a bet on the board and I don't root for injuries for Carlos Correa to be out of baseball in five years, I would take it right now the way they're acting. It's really fucking weird. So because we didn't do the pod last week, there's been a lot of talking about this and development. So I was able to learn a lot about what this injury was. And it, apparently it was a really bad injury to his right leg that happened in like 2014 when he was in the minor leagues. Now he has not had a reaggravation to this injury. That's cost him time. We've talked about his back injuries. We've talked about some other stuff, but not this, but apparently this is really stopping teams like the giants and Mets from wanting to give him. I mean, even last year when he had to settle for that twins deal, the three years with the two opt outs, you know, they do not want to give this guy very long-term security, and, and how could you? So, Tom, I got to ask you, it does still sound like this deal's going to get done, but right before we hopped on the pod, John Heyman said that Boris and Correa have been in touch with one other one new team this week for the first time in two weeks when it sounded like the 12-year 315 was going to get done. So, A, do you see this getting done? B, when? And C, is there any chance it doesn't? Um, I, I think the Mets will work it out with him just because I do really think they're so desperate. Um, I think it gets done. And before he wants sp- to be a Met, by the way. He's made yes. that clear. I think it definitely gets done before spring training. When? I don't know, but I think it definitely gets done before the first game of spring training. I truly think that you're going to see something come across the board, and the Mets um, are going to get him at a, I'm going to say this, perceived discount. Now, you understand what I'm saying there? Oh, I sure do. Where I sure do. Like they may they may get him at like a seven year, 
you know, $125 million deal and everybody's going to be like, oh, they got him for a steal. And then at some point there's going to be a news leak of like truly what's wrong with him. And some fucking Twitter fingers doctor is going to be like, oh, he shouldn't even be able to walk with that shit. And then before you know it again, he's out of the league and that deal looks bad in a few years. But I do think the Mets get him. It's a bold take by you, but I don't think it's outrageous because obviously something is seriously Look, there's wrong. There's a lot of smoke here. <laughs> there like, is. Two teams. Right. And two teams that desperately wanted him. I mean, the Giants, we talked about ad nauseum, losing out on Judge, getting Correa was a great consolation prize to back out of that deal. And now the Mets. The Mets also kind of have to do this, man. I don't know if it's absolutely for sure, but Steve Cohen mentioned and basically said this was done before a pen hit paper, which you're not supposed to do. That's why we always see this deal is complete upon the physical being passed. Yeah. Not, it's just done. So there could be some other ramifications Cohen, within the league here. It, truly, if I'm Cohen and I'm the Mets, like, and I, and I would go to the doctor who's saying this and be like, yo, t- how many years does he have? And if the doctor goes three years, I would literally be like, all right, Correa, I'll give you three years at like a hundred, a hundred million dollars, three years, a hundred million. That's what we have for you. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's like more giving reasonable. giving just than, fat money. I, I think that's more reasonable than the seven-year deal that you offered before because that's still a really long time, not as long as 12 or 13, but that yeah. was my next no, thought. You're right. You've seen the Mets load up with you know, the Scherzer deal and, the, and now the Verlander deal. You're kind of thinking, wait, could this rework deal possibly be like a three-year, four-year deal for like $150 million? Like – Easy, easily the highest AAV, but really short amount of time. Maybe an opt out or two in there. I, I don't know, but it's really weird. And now this latest room or uh, report by Heyman saying that he's been in touch with another team. I don't know if that's Boris just posturing and saying let's get this shit done or what. But I know he wants to be a Met. The Mets really want him, but the deal's still not done. Yeah, I, I, listen, you gotta. I know that the Mets fans want it done. Fuck the Mets fans. And I know that the Mets want to get it done. All parties want to get it done. But, like, you do have to appreciate the Mets for being smart on this because that's, like, truly a franchise, especially with all the other money you've invested. That's a with the luxury tax, and I don't care how rich you are at some point. A lot of the Yankees, you are going to start looking at that. It's just human nature. Um, I think it's good job by the Mets to actually do their due diligence and not just try and fucking buy the back page. Um, and... Yeah, like it does kind of make sense if they go with like a three year deal because it it does line up with the timetable of the two superstar pitchers that they have. And I mean, another thing I have to say is, I mean, we shit on the we shit on Minnesota because it's like, why don't you lock this guy up last year for for as long as you can? And it's like, you know what? For a team that had they had they actually locked him up as a small market team and crippled their franchise for fucking 12 years or 10 years or whatever he asked for the year before, and then you can't sign anybody because that's dead money against your shit budget as it is, good job by them too. I think it's a really good point, but I'm also going to say they get helped out by the fact that he clearly doesn't want to be there. Well, yeah, he wants of a big course. Market, so so it, it kind of works for them with several ways. They got a really good year out of him, and they don't have to worry about paying him long term, um, whether it's their decision or his. And also maybe a good maybe good job by the Yankees to know, like, this is not a guy that we want to abandon. Well, our I don't say that yet. We haven't found out who the mystery team is. Yeah, we haven't. But I think it's at this point there would have been last year or this year some notable 
Scott Boris driving up the price by mentioning the Yankees. I don't think Cashman or the Yankees have any interest in Carlos Correa, but this is really fascinating. I'm excited to see how it works out. Just a couple other moves. Yesterday, Tom, the Red Sox, who we have shat on, I got a great text from the Red Sox fan friend of mine the other day who listened to our latest pod. First of all, I said, what took you so long? Second, he was like, man, you have to shit on my team during text and on the pod. I said, well, they make it easy. But they did lock up Devers, 11 years, $331 million, and this was something that just had to be done, right? Yeah, I think this was the, um, if we don't do this, they're literally going to burn Fenway Park to the ground, and it's going to cost us more money. So let's let's get this done. Agreed. Uh, it, it was a. It's a lot of money. Um, it's going to come like a discount if he plays the way he has been playing. But I do find it kind of funny and ironic that it's by far a lot, you know, more money than what they were going to give Mookie, and the Mookie money was all deferred. This is all, you know, equally distributed. So mm. it's kind of interesting from that perspective. But yeah, listen, you lose Mookie bets in a trade that has not worked out. You, you let Xander Bogarts go, uh, and now you got Devers, who is playing out a contract year like Judge was going to, or like Judge did last year, and they're like, no, no, we got we got to lock you up. So, listen, I, I 20, guess good on the Red Sox. Twenty six years old, he'll only be thirty seven at the time it's done. As long as he doesn't get hurt, uh, that he's a great hitter that, and he's yeah. a pretty good fielder as well. That's gonna play. He'll be just fine. He'll be just fine. And if they have to move him to first base, it's not the worst thing in the world because yeah. uh, they have a couple good first base prospects they could use as trade bait. Um, but, yeah, they got this done. Uh, speaking of Red Sox players, Nathan Evaldi is no longer going to be one. He signed with the Rangers for two years, $34 million. Tom, I know he was a name you were kind of looking at for the Yankees. I'm kind of glad they didn't go that price with him. Nah, I mean, I was looking at like a one-year deal. I don't One-year deal, give him whatever money he wants. Two years or more, I really didn't like it, um, it you know. The Rangers have a pretty formidable starting staff. Um, I'm interested to see if they can make any noise this year. I mean, for me, it just gives me such like a um, couple years ago, Anaheim Angels vibes, where mm-hmm. it's just like you're going to get all these names, C.J. Wilson, Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton, Trout's already on the team. Uh, they got a few other guys, I think, and then they never made the playoffs once. And those are just the vibes I get. Maybe it's the uniform because they haven't been good since the early 2012. I think they went to the World Series in 2012, maybe. Um, but I just feel like they haven't been good in a long time. We'll see if they can put it together. For me right now, these are just a bunch of names on paper. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I definitely am with you on that. They do give off that Angels vibe. I mean, last year it was Seeger and Semien. This year, it's DeGrom, Haney, Evaldi. They brought back Martin Perez. They've got Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter in the pipeline. Yeah. So this, the thing they have been missing is pitching. Even when they've sucked, offense has really not been their issue. So you hope, you know, you got a cornerstone second baseman, a cornerstone shortstop. They have some other good players on this team. And now it seems like they should at least have the pitching, but... We know the question marks with DeGrom. We know the question marks with Ivaldi. I'm not an Andrew Haney guy. And Martin Perez, he's had some, a couple really good years, but he's also had some really shit years. So uh, they yeah. could end up being really good, or they could end up being really shitty. Yeah, and they went out and got Odorizzi, too. Let's let's not forget about him. He's pretty good. Yeah, he isn't the worst. I mean, that's a, that is a good that As is a, a five-starter, I mean. And then for you to be able to throw a Jack Leiter or a uh, Kamar Rocker in there, uh, I, I'm like, listen, I like it on paper. But it's one of those things where it's like, 
in my projections next year when we do our MLB preview pod, which is coming around the corner, um, you know, you're going to miss me. You're going to miss me with that one. If they make the playoffs, I'll be happy to raise my hand and say I was wrong. I think a lot of people feel that way. And, and you know, not ah, shit. I'll say it right now. I'm probably in agreement with you. Are, are they usurping the Houston Astros? Is that really a hot take? I don't think so. Um, the Red Sox did bring in Corey Kluber. So he's with his third AL East team in three years. Uh, he was injured with the Yankees. He was injured, sometimes good, sometimes really bad with Tampa. This move doesn't scare me. I, I think he's. I think his best days are long gone. In one year, ten million. The Red Sox are just kind of patching up that rotation. Uh, this doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother me at all. But I will say, I I will tell you, I'm already predicting it right now. The start will be the first week of June when he throws a seven inning two hit shutout against the Yankees. <laughs> no, I I'm gonna go July. I'm gonna go July. I think he had one of those with Tampa, and then every other start we knocked him around. But yeah, of course that 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 seems just to got play. to pencil him in for the one. I'm just letting you know, letting everybody yeah. know to be prepared. It's coming. That seems like it's going to play out. Um, the fucking Braves did it again. Uh, they did it last year when they brought in Matt Olson from the A's and gave him the eight-year extension. They brought in Sean Murphy, which we talked about a month ago uh, from the A's. And they ain't going to a six-year, seventy-three million dollar deal. Tom, I don't know how they do it. They get these guys on the largest discounts, and basically their entire infield and some of their outfield are completely locked up for the next five to seven years. It's insane. For nothing, too. Like, they must have, like, the greatest staff hypnotist. They probably give all the money to the hypnotist (laughs) because they go into negotiations, and she she or he pulls the clock out and just hypnotizes the guy, and they're like, yeah, sign on the dotted line. Six years six under a hundred million for probably I he's how old is he by the way I'm gonna look him up. I'm not sure how old he is, but I I know he's I mean he's considered a prime catcher. He's one of the top catchers in this league, particularly defensively. We know what he's he twenty eight. He's twenty eight yeah. years old, and oh, he's good. Yeah, and 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 he's he's gonna be your perfect seven hitter. That's probably gonna win three Gold Gloves over that deal. Oh, it's, it's the gold gloves I'm not even concerned about. I'm sure the offense is going to be fine, too. I mean, this is just it's highway robbery at its finest. I just don't understand who these guys do. Do, they, do all these people have the same agents and the, like the, the Braves are like paying this agency under the table? <laughs> because it's like as an agent, your motivation is to get your guy the most money and the best deal. So you make the most money and all these guys are getting fucking robbed. If this guy hits free agency, there'd be probably three teams that would that would be willing to pay him like maybe not the six years, but at least a hundred million dollars. Tom, if any team gave him six years right now, that contract is going way over a hundred. You're looking at one ten probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 legitimately like the Yankees need to literally just walk. I've been saying literally a lot. The Yankees need to go to Atlanta right now and just offer every single person in their front office double. Yankees have made some interesting moves in the front office over the last couple of days. I don't know if you saw. Talk to me about them. I haven't seen. I've they been in recovery in from being on my deathbed. That's true. I wasn't sure from your deathbed if you checked Twitter or not. But um, they brought in Brian Sabian, who was the GM, if you remember, of the three San Francisco Giants. World Series teams. He was also a lead scout for the Yankees during the 90s when they drafted Jeter, Rivera, Pettit, Posada. 
uh, as a special advisor to Cashman. And then today they brought in old friend Omar Manaya to do the same job. Um, wow. So you got two new guys who are real baseball guys. These are not really analytically driven baseball minds, well, which I is like very that. interesting. I, I like, like that it too. Just because we need a little bit of a balance. And I just, it's like, it's like uh, those seem those feel like the type of guys to me, and I and we you and I know both of them well. That would be like we're not starting fucking IKF at shortstop this year, like put Agreed. Cabrera there, or they would be like, okay, Volpe's hitting seven hundred in AAA, like <laughs> bring him the fuck up yesterday. Like I've yep. already, I'm sorry, but I've already sent the jet. Like yeah, they, those are those type of guys. They they both said in their press availability that they you know want to bring more of that human element back to baseball and kudos to brian cashman and just for anybody that's out here thinking that this is some grand plan of how to you know put some pressure on cashman first of all steinbrenner doesn't make these hires these were hires that that brian cashman made and i give brian cashman credit because there's not going to be any pressure on him because he just signed a new four-year deal so He's bringing in guys. Clearly, like the analytics department has not helped and this is him something, do shit. This is something that guys who could. This is something that guys like him or Belichick could do in order to buy themselves a few years. It's like what made you guys great in your heyday. You had you didn't have a bunch of yes men, and you had a bunch of people telling you, disagreeing with you in a in a constructive way, and you guys ended up you know, coming across with the best move. Same thing with Belichick. It's like my argument with Belichick is your team would be so much better if you picked your favorite GM in the league out, let him be GM so you could argue with him, and then stopped hiring all your friends and your sons, started hiring real coaches so that you guys could all fucking compete against each other to be the best. A great comp there. I totally agree with you, and it does feel like both of those institutions of the Patriots and Yankees have fallen, have felt about a bit stale. Because mm-hmm. I'm tired of getting on here every summer and every October doing our Yankees post mortem, talking about why they continue to bang their heads against the wall. That IKF is a really good starting shortstop. Because now you just sound foolish, and I'm sure Cashman had to do a deep dive, which is why the deal. Uh, this is just me speculating, but I, I wonder if you agree. Why his new contract took so long to get done, even though it was obviously a foregone conclusion, dude, that he was coming back, was that he was going to have a brand new perspective on the front office configuration and how they were going to analyze players. Because analytics is great, but if you, like you said, have all these yes men and data nerds telling you IKF is a really good shortstop, but I'm watching with my eyes that he's booting every ball and has no range and he has a fucking, you know, water pistol for an arm. It, it, it's time to bring in some other guys. And by the way, Omar Minaya and, and Brian Sabian have pretty good, damn good pedigrees. Yeah. And they're not going to be afraid to be like, cause you know what? If, if he just ignores them, they'll just quit and, and they have right. better things to do. They're not a bunch of yes men. So I, I truly love the moves. I'm glad you told me about them. And I'm hoping that, you know, even though they're just special advisor advisors or whatever, maybe they'll truly, uh, make an impact on this team for the better. Cashman will get the credit at the forefront if moves he makes are good, but we'll know and at least feel a lot more confident as fans, the people who are at least in his ear with some of these, right? Hey, and I don't care if he gets the credit. If they win, I'll give him all the credit in the world. I, I'll fucking, uh, I'll send him money, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I just win. Just <laughs> fucking win. I'll give you all the credit think- you want. 
I think he'd like a card, you know, saying like, "Hey, you're my sports father again." I yeah, missed if you. they win oh, the oh, World Series, goodness. if they win the World Series, I think we can rekindle, rekindle that that relationship. You know, there, we're not getting too far from the point where you might have to do a transfer portal for all your sports fathers. You know, it, there's been a lot of turnover here. Listen, outside of my fiance, my cats, and maybe <laughs> and and my mom. The transfer portal is open for everybody. I can just be like, I- I'm entering the transfer portal. Sean, you, Sean, you pissed me off today. Uh, I got somebody in my DMs. I'm entering the transfer portal wait, if you no, don't wait shape a up. Wait a second. <laughs> I go away and this show dies. We're not. That's not happening. Yeah, right. You're gonna fucking give me give me a permanent virus so I can never talk again. That's right. I'm gonna say, what the hell are you doing? We were a team. You throw me, toss me to the curb. We I absolutely are. That. We always will be. Um, you ready to talk a little basketball? I am ready to talk a little basketball, Tom. You're New York Knicks. They're the weirdest team. Yeah. They, you know, they win eight in a row. They lose five in a row. And now they've won three in a row. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, it's the, the, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know how to say this because I don't expect this team to make any noise in the playoffs. I would like them to stay right where they are because it avoids the playing game. But it's like. Have you when they lose? Like, look at the look at the minutes played when they win, and then look at the minutes played when they lose. You know, like it's the guys who are playing and who was playing together, and it's just like you would think that you would have figured out the formula by now. I really thought that they got this rotation nailed down, and then they go and lose what five games or something like that, and and it's like. Okay, so now we're we're doing something else with the rotation. Then we win three in a row, and it's like, okay, so now we're back. Like, are we gonna stick with this? What's been working and tighten up this rotation to the guys we like, or are we gonna go back to? And listen, one of those losses. I mean, Luka Doncic had a fucking. <laughs> I'm fucking, glad you brought it up. Had a fucking what sixty twenty and whatever amount of rebounds he had. So sixty twenty twelve. Yeah, that one. It's like Quentin Grimes had. And and shout out to my coworker Mike, who we both, you know, we both like to hate on him, but he was telling me Quentin Grimes was going to be pretty good this year. And when playing, he's been very good. I think he had thirty three in that game. Um, I guess he's kind of like uh, the Will Smith of of those kind of takes, where it's like just keep throwing darts and one of them's going to hit the bullseye. But I mean, Luka Doncic had sixty twenty and twelve. Yeah, I, I would say that the only loss in that sequence of games that was probably really bad was the loss in San Antonio because they stink. But you got revenge on them last night, even though it was a close game and you won. But, you know, that Chicago game, you probably could have won that one, too. Your free throw shooting just completely abandoned you. That was really bad. By the way, Jalen Brunson, he's been unbelievable. But can you make some fucking free throws for me, bro? He's like nine of his last 17 shooting free throws. Yeah, I uh... I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to complain about anything about Jalen Brunson. No, but come on. that's you got to be better than that. You're going to go to the line a lot in crunch time. we got to make those free throws. True. Very true. No, I agree uh, with you. I think this team is, is honestly – I'm just looking at the standings again. I think that this team is right where it belongs. Maybe, maybe if they start playing with a little fucking continuity, the Hawks could jump them. But outside of that – Again, the Heat, they're just a little bit above 500 right now. They're a game over, but I think they're toast. And the rest of the teams, I don't worry about at all. The Pacers are going to fade at some point. You mark my words. 
No, I, I agree with you on that. They kind of, you know, they're, they got off to a hot start. They got a lot of young guys as the season continues to wear on. You know, they'll probably wear down. I still want to see about the Miles Turner situation because if they don't reach an agreement on an extension, I think he's gone. Um, but, yeah, Tom, I think the biggest microcosm for your New York Knicks is Julius Randle. He's as inconsistent as your team is. You know, three I mean, years yeah, we ago, were... you didn't want to know part of him. Two years ago, you were chanting MVP. Last year, you were kicking him to the curb, and he was flipping off the fans, including you. And now this year, he's great again. I mean, it's like every time you think you know what this team is, they completely do a double take. I think I think truly this is a, this year is a reflection of true, of what he is because I think – Two years ago, it was a COVID season. There was nobody in the arena. Nobody expected it out of the Knicks. I've said it a million times. They were playing so much harder than any other team, and they surprised a lot of teams on back-to-backs or whatever you want to call it because it was a very, very condensed season in a very quick amount of time. Then last year, I think there was way too many expectations put on the guy. You can't put the ball in his hands, especially now that there's a year of tape of what he did the year before. Now the ball's out of his hands. He's got a point guard that can get him the ball in all the right spots. I think this is much closer to what he truly is than anything else. And would I trade him still for the right guy? Yeah, but I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of him. You have to. I mean, he, he is a good player. I've always said that, and again, it's easier for me from the outside looking in to compliment him because I'm not emotionally attached to what he does or doesn't do. But I always thought that he was in a worst-case scenario because Nick fans were expecting more from him than what he actually was. Uh, and you're right. He doesn't have to be you know, the lead guy anymore. Brunson's going to take that role and you don't have to worry about his horrific turnovers too late in games. I know he had that one against San Antonio, but you know, he's this is Jalen Brunson's show when he's on the floor. So yep. we all know that. Get to his spots. Yep. Um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of all over the place, but listen, 21 and 18, I agree with you. There's no reason, Tom, in this sample size that we have, you know, all the way into January now, why they shouldn't finish at least in, in that six seed. Yeah. I mean, do I think the Sixers are more talented? Yes. But do I think the Sixers have, um, James Harden as one of their superstars, which we know his MO, you know it all too well. And, and, uh, Julio, Julio, Joel MB. I went in that pass, but that made me laugh. Joel, I, I just couldn't get it out. I see his face. Joel MB, who's injury prone, is one of their other superstars. So could could the Sixers go on a twelve game slide, ten game slide? Absolutely. I think the Knicks, worst at totally at worst, should be a seven seed. But I think I expect them. I'm going to say this. I expect them to be a six seed because the Hawks, and I know we're not going up and down the league today. We got too much to catch up on, especially with the NFL. The Hawks are a dumpster fire. Oh, my God, man. That that team, you want to talk about the Knicks being inconsistent. That team doesn't know what they are. Now you're hearing well, rumors that Trey Young could ask out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, man. I mean, first of all, it's like, you have, like, you had, they had, they were a classic. You know, sometimes you say a team is one or two guys short. They were a classic. We have too many good guys and not enough great guys. And then they bring in another really good but not great guy. And I think that they just, they reshuffled the deck, but they didn't really make any true changes. And on top of that, I think they let the guy go of all the guys that they shouldn't have let go and Kevin Herter. 
Oh, 100%. And they got to figure out this John Collins situation. It's like him and Miles Turner, like, for God's sake, should have got off the pot, man. Sign no extension or fucking trade him. There's no reason he clearly doesn't fit. It's going to be hilarious when both Miles Turner and John Collins get signed to giant extensions. And it's like we were talking about them getting traded for years, and then before, but before you know it, about two weeks later, they're gonna somebody's gonna be like, "Well, what about John Collins? I mean, you got him locked up for this long on a team friendly <laughs> deal." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next next October, when they're eligible to be traded, where they're yeah. gonna be in rumors again. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like it, the Hawks yeah. are just they need to do like. Unfortunately, you can't get Herder back. The Kings ain't giving his ass up. Um, especially they're the fucking five seed, but. They need to do like a three for one deal, or or if they want to be bold, I mean, you got Dejounte now. Fucking trade Trey Young. That's weird. Uh, and you also saw the rumblings. I mean, Sham Serrania and both him and and obviously Woj tweeted out that you know there's been talks that Nate McMillan is contemplated retirement, resigning from this team because he's so over it. I mean, obviously him and Trey Young got into that issue, you know, what was that, a month ago now? Yeah, they yeah. have enough talent to compete in a lot of basketball games, and I'm never surprised when they win, but I'm also hardly ever surprised when they lose. No, they're, they're, they're a bunch of pieces. They're not a team. Very well said. Um, so, yeah, but for your next time, I, I think that the sixth seed is super doable. I mean, because, again, in that five-game losing streak – what is going on out there? Uh, there's a fucking car alarm going off, man. It goes off. It goes off at seven o'clock and eight o'clock every day. I, I don't understand it, but there's really truly nothing cars. I can do about it. So let's nope. fight through it. It'll stop in about. Let's fight through it. It'll right. stop in about twenty seconds. Let's talk <laughs> about. Let's no, talk about my nets. I know. I know. I know. It threw you off there. Let's talk about what you really came on this podcast to talk about. Aside from the Giants. Let's talk about your net. See, there it goes. Same shit that every exactly day. exactly 20 seconds. I should have timed it. <laughs> Let's talk about your nets. Win streak over a 12. I, this is why, and I and I, it's not cool to say it anymore because of the shit that he said. Kyrie Irving is my favorite basketball player on the court. I, I've just, I've said it since we started this podcast. His game is just amazing to me. I texted you the highlight of that putback dunk the other night against the Spurs. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you I didn't know he had those kind of bungees, did you? No, I mean, his bag is so deep that you're used to seeing him hit these crazy off-balance shots. Obviously, we know he finishes around the rim better than any guard in the NBA, maybe in NBA history. Obviously, he's got his three-point game. He's, there's nothing he can't do. Uh, I did not see that coming. If anybody hasn't seen it, Yuta Watanabe – Missed a jumper right as the shot clock expired. Nobody on the Spurs came down to collapse, and Kyrie just flies out of nowhere with a one-hand tomahawk putback dunk, sending Barclays into a frenzy. It was fucking nuts. I was like, okay, this team feels – that was the moment, even with some of these wins, they beat the Bucks. they beat a great – a really great Cavs team in Cleveland in a fun game. I know they've won a lot of games against inferior competition, and some of those teams have guys out. But that was one of those moments in the season, Tom, when you're looking for something in this December-January time where you're like, oh, that was different. You know why? Because there was not a single one of those moments last year. Not at all. I mean, I, I, I even say earlier on this year or last year, he probably just fucking lets the other team rebound that thing. Probably. And, and I mean, the guy who you said shot the ball, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name, that, that guy it must be like your spirit animal. He's awesome. He's like the oh, best shooter fun. in the league, right? Yeah, and from three, he's the, he, Yuta Watanabe is the highest-ranked three-point shooter 
percentage-wise in the NBA this year. He's no, no, no. In NBA history, as if the okay. season ended today, it would be the highest three-point shooting percentage in the history of the league for a season. That I didn't know, so thank you for telling me that. Um, he's a high-energy guy, too. I know he was with Toronto for a few years. He could never shoot, but was always a tough defensive player, and you know he just gives a lot of effort, which you like on a team where he sometimes shoot the stars coast. And now he can shoot. Um, but they've been mostly healthy. They've been mostly together. They've been mostly, you know, completely drama free. KD is playing Tom. I, I, he's been, I've now had him on my team for the last couple of years. And he obviously had that iconic series against the bucks two years ago. He was really good last year. He's playing the best stretch he's played in the Nets uniform. And honestly, maybe in his entire career stacking up to that MVP year in Oklahoma city. He's been insane. Yeah, I, I I've got no you've you've got no argument for me. He's been truly incredible. Um, and then you know somebody that doesn't really get talked about a lot, Claxton. Yeah, yeah, he's he's taking a big step this year. He's finishing around the rim because uh, he really could never do anything other than catch lobs and do putbacks. But he's actually finishing around the rim with both hands. Um, so his offensive game, obviously, he put in work in the summertime. He's just made them better. And Simmons, dude, is fitting in perfectly. He doesn't need to score. Wreck games defensively, rebound, push the tempo, find his guys. I, I'm not predicting anything different, man, but the vibes around this team as a fan, it, it's it's just been a lot of fun. Like, I, I hope now they don't go on, like, a four- or five-game losing streak, but I don't think that they could. I, they love playing for Jacques Vaughn, who just won Eastern Conference uh, Coach of the Month. I think they finally have figured out an identity, which the only identity they've had is the one what-if team with no identity. Yeah, I mean, I think he's really preached defense, and he's also – it's a very free-flowing offense, and I think he's kind of letting uh, the guys take over the offense and just preaching play defense. The only other reason why I'm not going to continue – why I'm not going to go all in yet is they've got to figure out some kind of lineup in closing time that doesn't involve Claxton slash Simmons because both of them can't make a free throw to save their lives. And they uh, will come back – I think you need – I think you need a. I think you need like a stretch the floor big man that can also get you rebounds. What were we saying? Like a Vucevic. Yeah, a Vucevic would be really nice. I don't. I don't really know what it would cost you. Um, just because they gave up so much for Vuce, I don't really know what his even his value is. We don't know if they're selling yet either. They've been playing a lot better lately. Yeah, they have. Um, and then another guy I'm looking at for you is just another. Another shooter, if you guys want to flip a Joe Harris, just because I don't know um, if he's – I just haven't really seen him, like, click incredibly well. Maybe Dougie McBuckets, who's a guy who gives you a little bit more length. And he's a good passer as well. Yeah, he is. I, Harris, I think, is the one guy they really don't want to trade because he's their one actual sizable shooter. Yeah. Like, the problem they have in certain lineups and matchups is – as good as Seth Curry is, and he's like the ultimate role guy, and I love having him because you, you, you know he's going to shoot the hell out of the ball. But when you play against a team like Boston and he's got to go up against guys like Brogdon and White and, you know, obviously Marcus Smart, he's just not going to get shots off, and you're gonna, he's going to kill you defensively. So Harris is the one guy where you, don't, you have the size, at least, from the wing. Um, you know who I watched the other night for the Spurs, and he's probably going to get traded, is Jakob Pertl. He's a center that you could trust late in games because he'll make his free throws. He's going to rebound yeah. for you. 
he's going to make a pass and he'll score. No, he definitely is, but I think he's a little yeah. I think he's a little pricey for the Nets blood, to be honest. The Nets have assets because right now, you know, they're not playing Patty Mills in the rotation. They're not playing Cam Thomas in the rotation. They're and they have the Philly first round pick this year plus their own in 27. So they do have assets that they want to get bold and shit if they don't do it this year, man. I'm tired of the buyout market too. Like I, I, I want, I, I, they need an upgrade because I still, over the course of a seven-game series, would not pick them to beat Boston or Milwaukee. And shit, I still don't know if they could deal with the versatility Philly has. Yeah, no, I think, I think you guys need another. Or Cleveland, I don't want to dispatch them either. I think you guys need another. I don't. I want to say like small forward guy that can play a little bit of stretch four, and you definitely need a big man in the middle. And I just don't want somebody who's super ball dominant because no. in closing times, no. you know, you, that's the one issue with a guy like a John Collins, where we've seen it in part of why this Atlanta situation hasn't gone very well is he needs the ball a lot, and unless you're playing him, you know, alongside of T.J. Warren and KD's not in that lineup, but you know, that's usually the time Kyrie cooks. Well, he's a He's a good stats, a classic. Our our one of our favorite pod Simmons, good stats, bad team guy. Mm-hmm. What would you think about a Miles Turner if he is available? How would he fit on this Nets team from your perspective? Well, I mean, then you could put Claxton to come off the bench and stick Turner into that starting lineup. And I don't really think he's. I think he fits in well with the Nets offense because it's it's more of a free flowing, not like a system offense. Um, and I think he's a guy that can knock down a shot, but he's also a guy that you can get in the paint a little bit. He'd be incredible on the pick and roll and he'd be an anchor defensively. I, I do like him. I just think again, I mean, I think the price for Yaka Pertle's high. I, I would, I mean, I guess the only way the price would be low for Turner because I think he's better than Pertle is the fact that he's a free agent after the season. Right. No, I agree with everything you just said. Um, you know, there was the, Report that came out today from Woj of what the asking price right now is for Bojan Bogdanovich in, in Detroit, and it's a first rounder and a combination of another good young player and a potential or a, a second first round pick. So two firsts or a first and a good young player. So to me, I'm like, I think he's worth it. I think he's worth it too. If I'm the Nets, that's the kind of guy I want. He's going to knock down shots. You can play him with Joe Harris. Yeah, but you got to think that's a little expensive for your blood, right? I mean, I would do the first the the Philly pick this year, plus plus let's say Cam Thomas, and you want to dangle that 27 first. I mean, listen, Katie's been upset that they haven't really gone all in. At, at this point, I mean, we still have five weeks, six weeks till the trade deadline. I think it's six weeks from today, February 9th. If the Nets are still playing like this and they're in the thick of this Eastern Conference, Tom, you got you owe it to this team. To They're already very deep, but I don't know if I trust a full series of Yuta or a full series of, yeah. of, of TJ Warren and, like I said, the matchup issues that Patty Mills and Cam, and, um, Cam Thomas and Seth Curry give you against those bigger guards in Boston. I'd, if I'm a Nets fan, I'd like to see them go out and get a guy like Pirtle or Turner – and then if you can't splurge on the on the smaller guy like a go for a Bogdanovich, then you go for like I'm I'm staring at it right now, Josh Hart. Mm-hmm. 
a guy who's knocked down one. a shot. He's very good defensively, versatile, and he likes to get traded every single year, anyways. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. or the teams like to trade him. So let, let's see how he looks. And he plays well everywhere he goes. So let's say he looks in a Nets uniform. I think after next week, when we recap the last week of the NFL season, get into the playoffs, obviously we're not going to have as many games to recap. I think we got to do another state of the NBA for you know, sure. For sure. And then we got to talk a little bit, traded. a little bit of college basketball. I wish we were doing it before, man. I mean, I got to tell you, my Huskies now lost their last two. They, they, they have not looked great uh, losses at, Xavier and well, dude, I mean, I, I looked at the stats and it just seems like they they were losing the turnover battle. Oh, they were very sloppy, very sloppy the last two games. Well, that's good. I hope. Um, what's his face? Uh, your head coach, the former URI coach, uh, Hurley. Hurley. I hope he has him fucking. I, I hope right now they're running until they throw up. I, I think that he's the guy who will say, yeah, you thought you were invincible, huh? Yeah. Undefeated number two team in the country, huh? All right. We're welcome to Big East play. Because, by the way, man, the Big East, and we'll, we'll save this for another time, but it is pretty fucking loaded this year. There's a lot of good teams in this conference. Hurley's been there before, too. Seton Hall. Yep. So he yeah. knows it better than anybody. He does. All right. Um, we got to do it, obviously. We've, we've buried the lead long enough. And, Tom, I don't know how you felt. Um, you know, I, I know that you were feeling sick, but it was it might be a blessing in disguise that we're doing the pod today and not Tuesday or yesterday because today has seemed to provide a lot of optimistic um, and positive vibes around the Darwin Hamlin situation. Um, I got two things I want to read from earlier today. Ian Rappaport at 9.40 a.m. said Hamlin opened his eyes last night and it, it was responsive, even asked, quote-unquote, did we win? Uh, which is amazing. And then per the physician at UC Medical Center, uh, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over his, the last 24 hours. While still being critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal. And he is making steady progress. Obviously, a lot to unpack here. Uh, but we'll let you, you know, what, what, A, what were you thinking if you were watching it live? And just what have the last couple of days been like, you know, reading about everything, listening to people talk about it? Uh, and just dealing with really something unprecedented. Tough scene. Um, I feel terrible for the guy. Um, I mean, I'm curious, I'm curious just for my own self to, to understand what, uh, kind of caused this. Um, did mm. he have an underlying, um, unknown health thing that, that could have caused this? Was it the fact that it was cold? Um, uh, was he, you know, was it a, he was super warm and, and the air was super cold. I'm very curious on that. I'm, I'm so relieved. I don't know why, because I don't know the guy, but I just found myself being sad about it. It just, it, it was, it was a very sad thing. Um, I'm happy to see that he is, um, awake. Uh, and I know he's still in critical condition. I hate that fucking word. And I hate those words and I hate the ICU. I hate all that shit. I'm hoping that with time and with proper care and medicine, uh, he can make whatever version of a full recovery for him is. Um, and, and that's it. I'm glad he's alive. That's and awake. And he's not like, you know, in a, in a, in a coma and, and whatever, like he's, he's responsive. I'm, 
that's that's the only good news there is, and that's all the news that really matters to me. For everybody else that wants to make their speech about, you know, and basically just fucking trampoline off of this and make their speech about how the NFL sucks or how, you know, even Mikhail's over here saying, like, all these fucking stupid-ass nurses are fucking saying, like, we witness this every day. Now you see what it's like, like, when, when you go through a traumatic... Like, get the fuck out of here. This this is about him and nobody else. Get over yourself. And I I, I hope he is 100% healthy. So I can clear up a couple of the questions that you have there. Um, obviously, you know, I don't work in the medical field, um, but I've been CPR, AED, first aid certified, personal training certified through NASM and college degree in exercise science for a while. So it's, it's not something that I would ever have to hopefully deal with. Uh, obviously you never know what could happen. You ever done CPR on somebody before? I've never, fortunately never had to, I've only dealt with one individual who fainted. Uh, and then, you know, you just get them to the right, right place. And obviously that came from, that came from dehydration, um, and lack of eating and they were just it overexerted always. themselves. So. It always does. so, yeah, but fortunately nothing like that. And, and in the work environment I'm in, I, I certainly really hope to God that I never have to, um, I just want to give a crazy shout out to the athletic training staff. Oh yeah. Um, because they literally saved this guy's life. So um, I think that's another thing people need to keep in mind here. This guy was pronounced dead for several minutes. Um, There were at least nine minutes on the field. There's been some rough reporting that they had to resuscitate him again once he reached the hospital. Um, But he was having CPR performed on him for nine minutes on the field. Uh, And the responsiveness and the attentiveness and the immediacy – of the training staff was literally um, heroic. And we use that term a lot during the COVID days. um, And that was a heroic feat. Uh, Tom, what he suffered from was an immediate cardiac arrest. There was no underlying issues at all. Uh, Listening to a lot of stuff about it over the last couple of days, because I was immediately inquisitive. My initial thought was it was a imbalance between his cardiorespiratory system and his nervous system when he made the impact hit on T Higgins, it was such a hit that I immediately thought it was a concussion. Um, and sometimes when you brace for contact or a, a, a trauma inducing, you know, impact hit, um, whether it be a car accident or whatever, sometimes you're, you're unable to process that your heart skips several beats and you get up, you realize everything's okay. And then your heart kind of gives out. That generally happens with people who are not cardiovascularly, super healthy but it's still that shock value can still impact it uh that's not what it was this was a freak incident where there was a hit to the heart um and during the uh transfer from beat to beat that was when the hit happened um and we've seen this in sports before. Uh, there was a hockey player, Chris Pronger, 25 years ago. This was referenced to me. Obviously, I'm not a hockey guy. But he took a shot to the heart from a puck, uh, hit him like just flush. And the same thing happened to him. Um, he was able to eventually play like a week later and had a 12-year career after that. But it happens a lot in Little League Baseball. Um, there's even players who wear this heart guard. I remember that. Yeah. The ball doesn't hit the heart while it's beat in between beats. So that's what happened. Uh, and why he went into cardiac arrest. So, uh, so, so essentially he got hit in the heart in between beats when it was, I guess you would say like deflated 
and it just couldn't come back essentially. Right. Right. To put it into uh, Tom's lame and dumb terms. No, I mean, it's not, it's not something that we see happen all that often again on the large scale. I mean, in sports we've seen, and I, we've been so, I think what really scared everybody was the reaction on the players faces, right? Like they're used to seeing, I mean, Tom on that same field, we've seen Antonio Brown, maybe changed his entire life from the hit from Bontez perfect. We've seen yep. Ryan Shazier, whose life was changed from paralysis. And then we we saw Tua in week four convulsing after the concussion. So this has been kind of like a really eerie place. But, I mean, man, you got to think about it from the football perspective, right? Like, let me ask you, like, you watched a lot of football. We talk about football every week in the fall. We talk about college football, pro football. We watch so many games. You ever see anything like that from the player's perspective? And like, did you immediately know, like, shit, this might actually be different. This isn't a concussion. Uh, very rarely do you see this. Um, uh, you know, when when you see any time you see somebody being given CPR, and I've seen it maybe like once or twice in my life where it was like I had nothing to do with it. Like it was just I happened to be in the area, and it's like holy fuck. Like, it's just different, man. It's just a different situation because you know that the person on the ground there is, like, probably dead at the moment. Like, yeah, uh, 100%. Because you're, you're basically beating their heart for them. So, like, they're dead. And it's like, uh, no, I, you don't see this. I mean, there's been times where, like, if you remember, like, the fucking uh, Gordon Hayward injury. Mm-hmm. Um, where Or, or the uh, Paul George injury. But it's like... Yep those guys were able to like give you a thumbs up. Yeah. Like this person was not alive. Like I know I've never seen anything like this. It was truly unbelievable. Um, and again, like I don't care what anybody has to say. I'm just happy he's alive. And like you said, big, big respect to the people that jumped into action instead of freezing up there. Cause you know, given the same situation, you like to think you'd do that, but I fuck. The immediacy of it is what saved his life. And the and now just a couple other things I just want to clear up. Um, so the reason why it's so miraculous that there's responsiveness is there was no oxygen to his brain for eight minutes. So yeah. you're talking about potential, you know, severe neurological damage um, when the brain's not receiving any oxygen. Obviously, blood's not pumping through the body. Also, when they're vigorously performing CPR for that extended period of time, you're talking about bruised ribs, collapsed lungs. There's been speculation potentially about lung damage going forward um, because of the, you know, just again, the rigorous impact of that nine minute CPR session administered. So and especially if there was a second one at the hospital you're talking about more trauma there. So you're talking about broken ribs. You're talking about cracked lungs. You're talking about, you know, potential neurological issues. So I want to just take everybody through this. Please don't try to make any miracles out of when is he going to be home? Is he going to play football again? Take every positive thing. Tom, you're around Michaela all the time. You know, I can't even imagine the story she has, but you know, you have to take, Medical professionals, they take one positive sign at a time, even if that positive sign is raising a finger or breathing on his own. You know, if he's at 50 percent breathing on his own, I think as of last night, he opened his eyes on his own. He asked if we won the game. These are the kind of things we're looking for now 
as hope, as promise, as just anything to put us in a good mood so we can sleep at night because I don't not worried about when he goes home or if his playing career is over. Just these little things mean so much, man. He's alive, right? He's alive and he's not, and he's not in a coma. What, what else? Let's, let's start with that. Let's start with that. And hopefully we just build on it. Um, but really an unbelievable story, a couple, couple days that I'll never forget. Um, we've seen so much shit feel like even since we've been doing this pod, um, I'm just going to make this point. I don't know if you want to hop on. I'm not going to make it long. I thought ESPN did an unbelievably incredible job during their coverage. I could listen to Ryan Clark talk forever and ever. Skip Bayless got a lot of shit, rightfully so. I hate him. You hate him. <laughs> um, there is. I do think there is a time to talk about this game. That is why everybody was watching, right? This happened in front of millions of people because everybody cared about the severity of this game. It is okay to talk about the game without being insensitive, but can we at least give it a couple minutes? I think that's what the main problem was. Sure, I mean, it was postponed and not going to be resumed for a reason. So if they're not playing it, what the fuck are we doing? Nothing. Um, all right. Yeah, and Skip and Shannon, I think, are all but done. And, you know, he's just done so many, like, way too far things. And I know most of it's a bit. But there's certain points where it's like it's not a bit anymore. And and it's just like I think he should be blackballed. He's made enough money. Do you think that we do a good enough job as just human beings, letting things just, can we react to something and not have to make our thoughts known in real time? There's people getting paid to get their thoughts in real time. Why are we feeling like this is something that needs to be said from my fingertips right now? No, and I guess you could say that he is getting paid to to say things real time. He is, but you see a lot of other people that aren't. No, I agree, and I, I just think that that uh, there's just certain people in this world and skips probably one of them where it's like, if I'm not saying something about this, like then I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not taking advantage of the situation. And I just think in life, including this situation, there's just certain situations that you shouldn't, that shouldn't be taken advantage of. So that's, that's just me. Right. I I mean, I I agree. You know, we can joke about whatever the fuck you want to joke about. Um, whether you know when it comes to on the field shit and i'm sure there's going to be some jokes about the jets and their offense and whatnot but it's like certain things i'm just gonna say my piece i'm happy he's alive and i and i hope that he continues to strive from here and i'm gonna keep it moving i'm not gonna fucking make my big stance on the nfl and blah 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 like good job by everybody who uh did the right thing you know what, man? This is why I really am so proud of what we do. In all seriousness, like I look forward to having these conversations with you, whether we were going to do it on a podcast or just on the phone together. Like I, I think that everything you just said there was so poignant and true, and you made it sound simple, even though I know there was a lot of thought behind that. And I agree. There's no reason to demonize anybody or anything here. Um, this was not something anybody planned for. It is not insensitive to worry about the logistics of this game. Um, but again, there's a time and a place to speculate about that. The people who have that decision at their hands, um, they will make that decision. And again, the right decision, as you perfectly said, was made. The game was suspended, postponed, and will not be resumed. So we can move on uh, talking about the games that were played this week. Unless you have any last thoughts. Nope, that's it. Um I've said everything we need to say. Let's talk about, we've given enough time to that. I think we've given a respectful amount of time. 
And we've said what we need to say. Let's talk about your New York Giants, and I'm going to give you the floor, and I'm going to let you brag <laughs> and do whatever the hell you want to do. I don't know if I should be an ass. I don't know if I should gloat. I don't think I, I deserve anything like that. I've never you, been mean. Not you. Not you. To just anybody. You know, cowboy fans, eagle fans, <laughs> anybody. Not you. You have, Your Jets have nothing to do with it. Um, Tom, it's amazing. The New York Giants, a year removed from going quarterback sneak on second and third downs in their own shadow of their own end zone, are are a playoff team. At nine six and one, they're going to play the Eagles. Uh, they've locked into the sixth seed, and it truly is amazing. You see how different this team is with the coaching. Daniel Jones, I want to just say my piece on him real fast. If you want to jump in when it's your turn, go for it. Can we please just calm the fuck down? <laughs> it was only like mid-season that people were like, this guy sucks. They've lost four games in a row. He's no good. Oh, but we can make excuses for him because he's got no receivers. Now all of a sudden he's an MVP or top five quarterback. Like, shut up. He has done an awesome job this year. He's been healthy. He's taken care of the ball. He has not put up prolific numbers. He's won games. He's shown to me that he can be the leader of this franchise. The team loves him, and that's all I care about. I don't care about rankings, positionings. Is he better than this guy, a better future than this guy? I don't care. I'm happy as fuck with this Giants team, the fact that they're going to be a playoff team. And, Tom, I'm just going to say this, too. I have no expectations in the playoffs. It is the first time as me as a Giants fan where the team's in the playoffs where I'm not expecting them to go on a fairy tale run, win this game, win this matchup. Can they go and win the Super Bowl? None of that. I don't care if they lose 42 to 3 in who in whatever playoff game they have. They have so far passed any expectation. I was just hoping this I wasn't looking at mock drafts in October. This has been awesome. I'm so I love this team. I love this coach and it's just been I can't believe it. And and I love that they finished off the season in style, kicking the shit out of the hapless Colts. There was no close game. There was no nail-biter. It was over from the jump. And let's fucking go. Congratulations. Let me know how the playoffs feel. Um, yeah, I mean, they've outperformed every expectation of anybody. who the, I don't remember who the hell knows what we had them ranked as, but it sure as shit wasn't making the playoffs as any seed. I don't I care. I think I picked them last in the East. Yeah, I, I was probably right there with you, and I think we were probably in a large majority. Um, but with that being said, for Danny Dimes, you're right. Like, I mean, but you know how it is. Everybody overreacts. Danny Dimes sucks at the beginning of the year. We got to get rid of him. Then he doesn't have any weapons, and now he's the greatest thing ever. Danny Dimes, I mean, I think he earned himself, you know, a three-year, four-year contract. And I, I think that if you keep this head coach and you – give him some weapons and some personnel. He has the ability to where if the rest of the team around him is is good to great, he can win you some playoff games. And he could be a top half quarterback in the league. And and that's not nothing. There you go. Exactly. Like Eli Manning was never an elite quarterback and the Giants won two Super Bowls with him. Like no. I don't care if Daniel Jones is tenth, twelfth. You, me, and Will will do our quarterback rankings in August again. Probably another huge quarterback carousel between free agency trade and the draft this year. And it's like I don't care. I I've gotten my answer on Daniel Jones. He played his best football 
in the games that mattered the most. Even that Viking game a couple weeks ago that we didn't talk about. He had them in position to win that game. They were down eight, drove them down the field, touchdown, got the two-point conversion. Like, he has played his best football when the most important football needed to be played. And, yeah, I have my answer. Is he ever going to be Patrick Mahomes? No, and I really don't need him to be. Not at all. You just need him to give you enough to get you to the playoffs, and then if he can catch lightning in a bottle like Joe Flacco did once or like Eli Manning did twice, then you're cooking with gas. Can I ask you this question? I'm not sure if you saw the Kayvon Thibodeau, a little bit of drama with Jeff Saturday, the Snow Angels as he's laying next to Nick Foles, who he just killed. You got a problem with him, or is this just a young player doing stupid shit? I think it's a young player doing stupid shit, and I also, from watching that a few times live and then also like just seeing it on social media and wherever else I saw it, I don't really even know when he started if he knew that. I mean, I knew he got him. I knew he got him good, but I don't know if he knew that he that he was legitimately hurt. Should he have continued it for like, I don't know, I didn't count, but what felt like 35 seconds? No. <laughs> but I don't think he was like, oh, I fucking knocked his ass out. I'm going to do snow angels next to him. Like, I don't think it was that malicious or intentional. I don't think it was that bad at the time, but I haven't liked how he's handled it afterwards, saying that he didn't know who Jeff Saturday was and, you know, saying that the media created the narrative. And Yeah, when but this is also back, like... We kind of knew this was coming when you drafted Thibodeau, right? Yeah. You kind of knew what you were getting with him, and he's not a bad guy. He's not going to be a fucking Tyreek Hill, Antonio Brown guy, but he's a little fucking out there. He's not like, you know? Here's a comp for you, and it's not, I'm not here yet. I'm nowhere near here yet. But could he be an Odell Beckham Jr.? He's a star, he's a beast, but he's a pain in the ass, and he's all about me. Could that happen? Could you see that? For happen? sure. For sure. Because if, if you go back to, I think it was 2014 was Odell's first year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't think Odell was going to be, like, he, he showed pain in the ass tendencies, but he was playing so well that if I told you two and a half years later, he was going to have an absolute meltdown and be a pain in the ass from 2015 to whenever the Giants let him go. You know, you wouldn't have believed that in 2014. So, yeah, I, I do see a little bit of signs of that. And But he That's can get away with it because he's incredible. I hope this coaching staff's a little better than the ones Odell had. And I also believe that this team will be a lot better than the teams Odell played on. But, yeah, that's my only concern is I know you want to be a star. I know you're all about your brand. Part of that is being an elite player, which he seems to be becoming. But – I do need you to maybe just fucking say, Hey, my apologies. And let's move on. Um, yeah. It's but, not even the act. It's the more the post act. Yeah. A hundred percent. But yes, the giants are in They're the sixth seed. We'll talk about the playoff seedings as they stand heading into week 18. after we Congratulations. And thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. It feels fucking amazing. Uh, it really does. And it feels kind of weird because again, I don't really have, expectations for this postseason now again if it's they good to have a heartbreaker, it's good upset. to have two two mlb teams that are that are tops in the league two nba teams that are completely turned it around for their situations before this and that are the that are the talk of the league and a jets team with a lot of promise and a giants team that's back in the play it's good to have new york buzzing speaking of those jets 
I got to make you do it. I don't want to. It's not doesn't bring me any joy, especially when you're just getting over feeling better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to make you do it. So now this time the floor is yours. Uh, if 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 maybe I would have been healthy Sunday had the Jets not had this kind of game and they prolonged my illness until Tuesday, <laughs> but they just couldn't get anything going. They just the engine, you know, they left the car out in the cold too long, and then they tried to go to the grocery store, and the engine just wouldn't turn over for them. Just they really couldn't like get that. any. They couldn't get any. The gas was just stuck in the pipe. Then it wouldn't cycle through the engine and the battery. You needed to fucking jump the car too because it was just it was just too cold. And they coun't get the thing turned over. <laughs> truly, I mean, Mike White looked. I mean, is rusty, bad, fucking. He's hurt. He should have been playing. And he's, he was and he's also extremely dinged up. Like, but I mean, what's your other option? Uh, you know, I mean, the second he was going to get cleared, you knew he was going to play. That was a minus ten million bet. So, I I don't know why I went in here thinking the Jets were going to win this fucking game. I picked this game with my heart, not with my head. Uh, this team's done. It was a fun run. It, it it was exciting to be in the playoff race and. Um, see the talent that they have for the next up and coming years. And what seems to be every couple of cycles for the Jets, uh, every few years, we're we're in the same boat. We're a quarterback away. Here we go again. We need to talk about this because it deserves attention. Tom, what the hell are they doing with, with this situation? I mean, I get the initial benching, right? Zach Wilson was clearly not getting any... He was not getting any better, and he was costing a good team games, and he wasn't taking accountability. But the second that you let the players, and I'm talking about Robert Sala now, decide who they want to play quarterback, because that was a player's vote, remember, back in right before Thanksgiving that got him the nod. And you see the Mike F. and White T-shirts. That's when Zach Wilson was done. And I don't know how you let that happen. Unless you truly believe that he is not the guy, well, and then to start him in that Jacksonville game. Yep, that's where they fucked up, awful. man. That's where they fucked up. And you know what? If Mike White is still on the on the shelf, then you start that other fucking guy. I, I don't even remember his name. Trevor. Or Flacco? Fl- where the where the fuck is Flacco? Start Flacco the rest of the year then. If he's done, he's done. And then if you tell me, oh, you know, there was a Bleacher Report. I know you hate on them, and I do too. But there was a there was a report that they're not, they're still not done with him, and they're not hoping to training him. Like, well, I, yeah, go ahead. The Jets have done. You've done everything, and I get it. Maybe they're trying to drive up some type of fucking value for the guy. But it's like, if that's true, like, what? What are we fucking doing here? Like, I understand he's still on a rookie contract and shit, and and he was the number two overall pick, but, like, I mean, he's gotten... It seems like every time he goes out there, he's gotten worse because all the things that he's good at, like broken plays and stuff, now he's just a shell of himself, and he won't even do that. So it's like, what are we holding on to here? Let's fucking... I know we're in the middle of the season. We've got to scrap this and, like... Listen, if Derek Carr is going to be the guy, I'll fucking, I guess I'll uh, talk myself into him. Or if Jimmy G or my guy, who I want, Gardner Minshew, is the guy. Or if you want to move up in the draft. Or if you want to hire fucking Sean Payton. 
back. You can't. I know you can't. That's why Minshew's my guy. Or if you want to get Sean Payton in here and get Tom Brady in here, I mean, I'm over the moon for that. But sure. at the end of the day, all roads lead back to Zach Wilson cannot be your guy. If Zach Wilson's your guy next year, then you're slapping every other player in the face and they should all quit. Let's dive deeper into that. Robert Sala has taken the sympathetic route while trying to address Zach, but he's also at the same time just shooting him and then running him over with these comments. Tom, he said today or yesterday, he needs to get away from football, reevaluate what his priorities are. The best thing for him is not to play. Maybe read a book. He literally said, <laughs> maybe read a book. Like he's done. I don't, he's, I, I don't know. Like you can't have him on this team. Listen, he, he got you coughing over it. No, I'm, I'm still coming. You know, I'm still coming down, but Zach Wilson is done, and Salah, I don't know if he's the future coach of this team or not, but he is done with Zach Wilson, and he's done hearing about him. And that's the problem. I think that's the biggest issue amongst this situation that's untenable from the minute, the second that they benched him, was Woody Johnson's not over him. You invested a second overall pick, and he's your guy? This is not Adam Gase's quarterback. You let Sam Darnold go, who I still don't think is very good, but he's played okay for Carolina. Like, if I'm Woody Johnson, I'm saying, let me see. I bring you guys in with a fresh slate. I'm talking about Salah and LaFleur. You get to draft your own quarterback, second overall in the draft, and you're done with him? If I'm Woody Johnson, I'm fucking pissed. You can't make one thing work with this guy? He's that bad? He's that unsavable? Or you're letting these young players in the locker room say that they don't like playing for him and that's why we're not having him? It sounds like to me this kid just has no interest in becoming the kind of leader it takes to be a true NFL quarterback, a true well, successful I think, NFL quarterback. I think that's the problem that in lies there is that he's got all the skills to be the number two overall pick, but if you want to blame it on the on – the, um, on the GM, you want to blame it on the coach, Steph, whoever. Like, you got to do better research on the guy, too, though. Well, there were because questions about him. There was, the but the Jets, were. you don't get me wrong, there was, and I agree with you. I mean, he wasn't captain of his BYU team. There was issues with his off-the-field uh, personality, whatever you want to call it. And But the they Jets clearly, yeah, the Jets clearly ignored all that. Mm-hmm. They did. To go because for talent and upside, things. but it's like talent and upside doesn't work when when fucking the brain doesn't work with the body, and also you're a fucking baby. Every coach thinks that they can get the best and most skilled player in their room and develop them until you have to deal with do them I have all the time. To, do I have to fire up my services here? And, and should I retire as Bryson DeChambeau's caddy because he's moved over full-time to live and I don't want to deal with that? And should I just become Zach Wilson's buddy? And toughen him up a little a bit. I think he needs a friend in the area because it doesn't sound like he has one. It doesn't no, he's sound welcome. Like listen, listen. the The guest room is open. He's welcome <laughs> to stay here. Um, my mom is single. Um, oh, and he's and he's got a lot of money. Um, I won't yeah. call him dad, but my mom is single. <laughs> um, 
But also, you know, but also. I'm just thinking of that. The dude's 22 years old. I just thought of you I, 22 years old, 102, bro. He's got some fucking cash in his pocket. And I told oh, my mom, man. you know, if, if you start to date again, they better buy me fucking gifts and treat me real nice. Um, there you go. Yeah, well, but, this is taking a con- this conversation's gone a place I didn't think it would go. But but again, like if he needs somebody to fucking toughen him up, I'm your guy, man. Because I'm not I'm not gonna fall for any of this fucking cool Joe Schmo bullshit. Like I'm just gonna call you out and be like, "You're a fucking clown. You're a fucking loser. Go out there and win a game. Do something cool on the field, and then I'll think you're cool." He needs to see the rough streets of Greenwich, Connecticut. Is what he needs. Um, well, he just needs to be. He, he just needs to go to the school of me, school where nobody chirps God. with me. Nobody can chirp with me. No, you're you're, a, you know, the habitual line stepper. You're a habitual, you know, chirper. That's a hundred percent what you are. Um, but no, man. In all seriousness, like I, I think you're gonna have a real interesting off season because it's untenable. How about that? Yeah, the situation I, is untenable. If the owner wants him, and Sal and LaFleur don't. And Woody says, I'll bring in somebody who does, but nobody actually ah, does. Shit. You're gonna you make go. you're I, gonna make me vote for Trump so that he sends fucking he sends Woody Johnson back to back to be the ambassador <laughs> for London or wherever he was, England. The Dude, UK, it's whatever. So bad. It's so bad. And I feel for you because really I know we keep talking about it. I don't mean to sound like this, but like you're a good team. The, the, you still need help on the offensive line. Becton has, doesn't seem like he's ever going to be a thing for you again. You're, you you were derailed by two terrible injuries, Elijah Barrett Tucker and Brees Hall. When those injuries mm-hmm. happened, the team was never the same. But you're not winning shit in this league without a quarterback. I will say this. Daniel Jones is on his third head coach and fourth offensive system, and it seems like they finally got it right, and he's in year four, right? A year ago, even – Three months ago, four months ago, when the season started, we thought he was a bum. That's why the Giants didn't even pick up. But here's the thing. But here's the thing, and I'm going to cut you off there. Go. I I I I can't compare Danny Dimes to Zach Wilson because, as much as Danny Dimes struggled on the field and went through all those coaches and the same things as Zach Wilson, there was never, ever, ever, ever a complaint about Danny Dimes when it came to the locker room and it came to accountability and it came to being a good teammate and. Hold, holding himself to the proper standard of what a starting quarterback should be, ever. Agreed. I wasn't trying to compare them unilaterally. I was trying to compare, hey, listen, you're young, you're in the city, you're you're struggling, your team, you know, it, you're, you're trying to figure out what you're going to be. And some of these quarterbacks, they take time. We do see the occasional quarterback that, in, like Justin Herbert, like year one, we know this guy's going to be fucking good, right? You do get guys like that. But generally speaking, I mean, even Tua, I mean, I think what's going to kill him is going to be the injury bug. But, and by the way, we'll talk about him soon. But, yep. you know, he, he had a great year this year once they finally got him weapons and a coach that believed in him. I think that's the biggest situation with Zach. And that's what we obviously saw with Darnold. I still don't think Darnold's very good, as I said before. But I saw a lot more in two years with Darnold, three years with Darnold, than I've seen in two years with Wilson. Wouldn't you agree? And, and yeah, Darnold fuck it. Bring Darnold, Darnold back. It sucks, man. I feel for That's you. That's where you I'm at. I swear to God, dude, you could name me any quarterback, and I'll be like, yeah, bring him in. He could be better than Zach. The fact that they're not starting him in a meaningless Week 18 game because he's so broken. Like, I'm is abs- he fragile? I'm, no. I think, 
I think it's it's partially because he's just shot, and I think the other part is because I just think that they're that Salah is trying to hold on to the rest of the four, 51 guys in that locker room. I also think, though, that once you do that, you do lose a little credibility. I know he wants to be a player's coach, but let me just give you another comparison, and this is not, once again, unilaterally comparing the players, but I'm going to compare the situations a little bit. Tom, the New York Giants in 2004 – were a five and four football team in the playoffs after week nine's bye. Kurt Warner was playing pretty well, and you had a lot of veterans on that team. Now, that wasn't a Super Bowl team. I don't think this Jets team was either. But Tom Coughlin said, We're starting Eli. Tom, they lost every game the rest of the year. They went from five and four to five and 11. Yeah, but. But in the last game of this, or to, they won their last game of the season because Eli, after getting blitzed by Rex Ryan's defense in Baltimore, we had a zero quarterback rating. And Rex Ryan literally is on record of saying, I was afraid we were going to kill him. He, in a meaningless week 17 game, last week of the year against the Cowboys, also a non playoff team, pulls an audible at the line of scrimmage, hands it off to Tiki. They win. The next year, they're 11 and 5. Coughlin easily could have and easily probably would have gone back to Kurt Warner. But once he made his decision, it was over. And that was Eli's team. Yep. You, no, you, I you agree with that. Your but, but again, they, you have to make your decision. You have to stick with it. I think that's Salah's only fault when it comes to like, if, if, if Zach Wilson's his guy, the reason why I feel for him a lot more than your giant situation in both aspects is because again, both of those guys, listen, they may not have, they may have been talented, but they may not have been quote unquote ready, but they right. both were not fuck boys at the mm. same time. You know, yeah. I think it all comes back to, okay, you suck on the field and you're a fucking idiot. Like literally, uh, literally again, there I go. You were a, t- you're acting like a 12 year old boy. As that well. has to be it then. It's, no, that's, uh, that's what I'm trying to say. It, it, yep. it, it is a terrible combo combo when you can't justify your play on the field and you're also just a complete life sucker off the field. Then, uh, then you know what, man? You're 100% right, and my two analogies don't hold any weight, right? Because if he really is that unlikable and the team doesn't want to play with him at all and he's not putting in the work that the coaches see, then there's your answer, right? That's how I feel, man. It's just it, it clearly all leads back to off the field. Well, I think that they I think that they truly the yeah. I think they truly go hand in hand where it's like you suck so bad on the field, you've given us no reason to play to where if you were better on the field, we could even justify your being a complete asshole off the field, but it's like really you're an asshole off the field and you're the Probably 34th, 35th worst quarterback in the league on the field. Yeah. Minshew, yeah. baby. Give me Minshew. Um, Tom, feel for you, brother, but at least you only got one more week. I hope they start Chris Drettler if, uh, if, if Mike White can't go. Just completely play CFL football. Why not? It's not going to be a fun last game. No, but that yeah, game man, will be watched because I don't think Tua is playing, right? No, no, he's not. That game will be watched by if if Stretler or whatever his name is and Tua are started. That game will be not watched by many, including myself. No knock on, 
No knock on them, but that has Chris Myers written all over it. All right. Um, Ouch. Cowboys fight Titans 27-13. The Cowboys, I thought, played like ass in this game. I was so close to texting Will and being like, your team blows. I've lost all confidence <laughs> in them. They won 27-13, but this game would have been so much closer if there was a pulse of offense by the Tennessee Titans, which there wasn't, because I did not think Dak or that Cowboy team played very well in this game. No. Um and and their defense has fallen off in the I'd say even a little bit before the second half of the season, uh, and it's it's got to make you worried going into the playoffs. I think so. And man, Dak, what is with these turnovers, dude? They're bad ones too. Well, I've been saying, dude, I've been saying it all year about Dak. He doesn't run anymore, and that arm doesn't have the zip. What? And he's making bad decisions now. See, that's the part that. that I get. Uh, the, the zip is all true, but like that that interception he threw to end the first half as they were driving and at least would have kicked a field goal. I mean, that's an, that's an error that is not to keep doing it, but Zach Wilson makes. Like, come on, Dak. What are you doing? I know. I mean, it's been – listen, the Cowboys are 12-4. and four. They've been very good this year. I think they've been propped up by their defense for a majority of the season. I mean, Zach Prescott didn't start – for the games, right? Um, their offense has just—it's been—it's been bad. It's just like outside of Tony Pollard, it's been bad. They have the most—I think they have the highest offensive rating in the week since he since Dak came back. But I don't know how that's possible because I never feel like they're blowing teams out. Hey, listen, I don't care. It doesn't pass the eye test. <laughs> I don't care. As for, as for the Titans, man. I know Vrabel's an unbelievable coach, but there's really not much you can do when Malik Willis, who we talked about him being a project, right, with Frenchie, but he's not playable and you have to go to Josh Dobbs. That is not that is not a situation you want to be in. Well, yeah, this team's this team's this team went into the season already with not a lot of weapons and then they lose uh what is it, Trayvon Burks, their by far best wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, and it just seems to have gone all down south downhill from there. Uh they just don't have the players, and God damn it, I shouldn't have jumped on them when I did because at the beginning of the year I would have looked so much smarter, but I'm not going to let myself take credit for that um, because they suck. And I think they play Jacksonville this week. Um, yeah, we're, that's a Saturday night game that's going to decide the AFC South, my man. And I think Jacksonville is definitely going to win that game. Um, Show me something. Pick it. I got to look at the spread again. I didn't even think of that, but it's also a Do game it. where I can... No, nah, I'm not picking that game because it's also a game where I'm, I'm already seeing it now in my brain. I could totally see after the game them talking and being like, what a coach, Mike Vrabel. Oh, what a coach. Six nothing. What? Yeah, yeah, yes, my concert. What a coach. <laughs> I love when Simmons and Cousin yeah. Sal imitate him. <laughs> what, what a coach. Six nothing. He coached that. I gotta that. tell you, I mean, Mike, he's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, he's coached that. that ball game. Six nothing. He coached that ball game like it was his last game on earth. I gotta. <laughs> oh, man. Not to pump up other podcasts. You're fucking making my, me cough. Probably, You're making me that's cough. My, that's my other favorite part of football season. And just the guest the lines pods and those two just being goofballs. Um, yeah. a, a game we don't have to spend any time on, but it was a game that happened. Falcons beat the Cardinals 2019 in a battle cool. of backups. And goodbye to that game and those teams. Let's talk past Dolphins. 
the Patriots won a game. I, Tom, I watched this team. They were easily the most boring team in football. They, this I don't Patriots know how they team win. is going to make the fucking playoffs, and it's it's a goddamn it, it's a travesty to the New York Jets because your Jets <laughs> gotta make you so pissed. so much more fucking talented than the Patriots at every single position, and I'd even argue on on most of their coaching staff, but the Patriots have Bill Belichick, and that gives them. Just a little bit at this point of fucking like stableness, and just gets them to win Stability games. That... Stay, yes, stability. Sorry, I'm fucking dying here. Um, and, and and it just it infuriates me that this Patriots team is going to be playing in a playoff game, and the Jets, who are just have so much as my boy, my Pope. Not my sports father, but my sports pope, Trent Dilfer would say, they just have so much fucking horsepower, and they're seven and nine right now with two losses to the Patriots. Yeah, both games that were really tough losses. Uh, I would I would be in the same position as you, by the way. If I saw a team like the Patriots in the NFC, and I had my Giants, and, I, and, and they lost two games like that, I would just be beside myself because it really is a travesty that this. Patriot team is all they need to do is beat Buffalo and they're in. Um, I want to talk about two things. One, the Patriots defense. I know they're boring, but man, do they create turnovers? And it is incredible to me is how many times those turnovers convert into points. That's how they score most of their points. Yeah, their defense, I think, has outscored their offense by like a full two touchdowns or something more like that. So it's it's pretty crazy. As for the Dolphins, obviously Bridgewater gets hurt in this game, and that's when it all went to shit for them. You got Skyler Thompson coming in. He can't play. And it's been an amazing story for them because, Tom, we didn't talk about it, but that Christmas Day game, Tua gets concussed again. He does pass protocol, but the next day they're reviewing film, and McDaniel is asking him about plays, and he says, I don't really remember. And I'm going to just say this right now. I've we, we talked about Darren Hamlin. This is a completely unrelated situation, but I just want to say this right now. Tua has to seriously consider his football history. This is three concussions in one year over a four-month span. He had one at Bama. He might have even had another one or two in the pros. Maybe you can recall that better than I can. And I know he had one in high school because there was a talk about him before he came to Bama about a concussion that he suffered in high school. I mean, this dude's on like five, six concussions. We got to talk about this dude just having a life. This is ridiculous. No doubt about it. Not to mention he's got like a fucking degenerative hip injury as well. Yeah. I mean, at some point it's like, let's just preserve our life here. How about that? That's kind of my, that's kind of my thought. And it sucks because that team, I mean, they were basically damn near unbeatable with him at the helm. Right. But this team's lost six in a row. It seemed like they were destined for the playoffs. You're even talking about them being the, maybe outlasting the bills in the AFC East. But this team's got nothing, and uh, it sucks. I think they seriously have to consider the quarterback situation because, again, man, it sucks for Tua. Because sucks for Tua. You know, we we just talked about Zach Wilson and everything that has happened to him with the talent that he has has been in his control. And then you look at a guy like Tua, where it's all completely out of his control, and you got to feel for a guy like that because he does everything right, and and he still may have played his last game. And if I was him personally with the money that he's made and the health that he's staring down in his 40s and 50s, I would probably hang it up. I agree with you. I, I really do. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have. but it And the concussions are so tough because it's like, it's like, well, I feel fine now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
where yeah. and and that's not going to affect him until he's 40 or 50 or whatever whenever CTE starts to crop up late 30s I believe it is and it's not like where it's like okay like my leg is broken and now it's going to hurt like whatever injury he had now it's gonna, now I'm never going to be the same like I'm going to well, walk other- different it's going to hurt all the time but then it's like concussions it's like no I feel great and it's like it's hard to compute at 24 years old or however old he is and it's hard to justify to yourself because you feel great that like if this shit happens again like I could literally die at 50 as opposed to 77 because of it you you make such a fucking good point um I had a friend in high school that got concussed playing just like freaking driveway hockey. Got hit in the hot with the, in the head with a hockey stick. He missed a year of high school. And it, the like, brain and is says, an incredible thing. And concussions and he, are not linear. Symptoms are not no. linear. And like he he would have been like an if he was an athlete, they'd be like, oh yeah, no, you 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 passed concussion protocol. Like you're good. It wasn't that he couldn't go to school. It wasn't that like he was physically handicapped from going to school. He's like, his attention span would go. He couldn't keep focus. He was, you know, certain lights would get to him. And he said, he's still, you know, at times this is 15 years later. And he's like, yeah, man, like sometimes like if I'm not in the right space or something, like I feel a little weird. That was one concussion. Yeah. It's crazy. I had, (laughs) I had a, concussion when i was in like sixth grade and then i had probably three more in high school but like like it it truly affects you throughout the rest of your life like my the doctor told me like one of my pupils dilates and then the other one doesn't so people get freaked out because one eye will be huge and then the other one will be tiny they like they do their own thing they don't do it together and the doctor was like that's because of your concussion like the major one that i had and it's like you don't, you just, you don't think about that kind of shit when you're 24 and the next day you wake up or, or a week later you wake up and you feel like a million bucks and you can throw the ball all over the field. But again, like this, it, it could literally be the difference between him dying at 50 or dying at 80. That's why you're seeing a lot of players retire earlier than you ever have before. The thing with two is I think he's going to need somebody to save from himself. Maybe it's Saban giving him a call. Maybe That's it's somebody what it he seems really respects. Like. He, because because he, he just seems like he football. doesn't care. He just wants to be out there. He loves football, dude. He talks about football like it's like the most precious thing in the world. It's like, man, that most precious thing in the and world just, is just killing you. I hate to wax poetic or whatever you want to say, but it just fucking sucks. Cause if I could just take an ounce of that love of football and just shove a syringe into Zach Wilson's ass and just give him a little bit of that fucking attitude, maybe we wouldn't be talking about these quarterback problems. Go hang out with Tua for a week, Zach. Oh, you are, you are a treat today. Um, all right. I, we didn't record last week, and and just because I was sick doesn't mean I ha- didn't have thoughts, Sean. No, I listen, you've been, I, you got to understand, I'm loving every second of this. That's why you've heard me just fucking burst out loud laughing. I, I love it. Uh, but I, I'm saying you are a treat. Because um, <laughs> I know the reason is, is only you would say some of these things. Only after a whole emotional conversation about concussions could you redirect the conversa- conversation to get my fucking inept quarterback a little bit of love for the game. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. You're, but you're not wrong. Yeah, it, exactly. And you always got to bring it back to the light side of it. But where, where the hell were we? Bucks beat the Panthers 30-24. to 24. Sean, I don't know if you checked Twitter because obviously – 
We were out last week, but I put the picks up time stamped before the podcast, and I went against you on this one, and I won this one. Good job one. by you. The Bucks beat the Panthers 30-24, to 24, and I did win this one, but I probably shouldn't have. Um, the you Panthers had there for a many, while, especially at halftime, weren't you? Yeah, and the, well, and the Panthers had many a chance to at least cut, make this game close, or even win this game at the end. Uh, the Bucks do just enough. Uh, I'd probably say out Brady's best game in the United States this year. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I gotta tell you, when I made the pick, I, I you were like, I was out, and you were like. No, I'll get it to me later. It's fine. I was like, no, I'm going to forget. So I did it. What I didn't take into account was Josh Norman got signed to the active roster who was literally serving coffee at at a coffee business that he opened. And he was the starting corner for uh, Carolina Panthers, which didn't make me feel good. (laughs) I got to be honest with you. (laughs) So (laughs) once I saw that, I was thinking about like, oh, can I back out of this? But no, no, no. Were you thinking when they signed Josh Norman that they also bought a time machine and went back to Super Bowl Cam Newton 2016 Josh Norman? No, uh, that was a, I wish I could go in a time machine and not have made the pick on this game. <laughs> yeah. um, because that's, that's, I was like, oh no. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, Mike Evans, how, what was it? Three touchdowns down the right sideline that Brady just aired out. I mean, I know they yeah. weren't on Norman, but it was even when Carolina had the lead. And that's why I feel about Darnold. Like I do, I do appreciate what he's done this year. He's actually been the only stable quarterback out of the four or five that they've had, but like, He's not good enough. And when Brady's able to have a game like this, this is why they're dangerous in the playoffs, man. This is why you have a lot of jockeying for position in this final week, because I don't think any team, even though the Bucks have been horrible and are the butt of many jokes, they're still Tom Brady. Yeah, no, and, and got to give him credit. Him and Mike Evans stepped up and clutched up when they needed to. For sure. Um, the Saints beat the Eagles, Tom. This is big because the Eagles could have clinched the NFC – East and they did not and the Saints are not a very good team but I gotta tell you man this defense is good they played with heart and your boy Gardner Minshew didn't do a goddamn thing in this game no he didn't and you talk about teams trending in the right direction at the right time I think the Eagles are doing the uh, absolute opposite um I mean, there's a, they've they've lost a couple of key players obviously Jalen Hurts being one of them and I all my confidence from about three to four weeks ago with the Eagles is just shot well, the other name you didn't mention is Lane Johnson. Yeah. Who hasn't given up a sack in however long. Like We're going back years. Um, he's been out, and he's going to fight like hell to get back for whatever playoff game they have. So they need to beat my Giants in Week 18 to make sure that they can preserve that one seed and get a bye. But I'm with you, man. This team hasn't really looked good. I know they put up a lot of points against Dallas, but their defense got shredded, and Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill kind of didn't make them look all that good. Like I said, that offense was really was really bad. Yeah, the the, uh, the the spread for the Giants game. I mean, the Giants had kind of a skeleton crew at skill position player before this. Anyways, who the hell are they playing? Because the Eagles are favored by fourteen points. I know. Um, Dable hasn't hasn't showed his hand yet. Um, but it sounds like of anybody that does play that are regulars, it's not going to be the most impactful. Uh, so you're, you know, you're talking about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, probably Dexter Lawrence, probably Thibodeau. 
some of the receivers. I mean, oh, they got to sit Ricky said. James down. Yeah, Richie James, Isaiah Hodges. Like these are literally the names we're talking about. Like <laughs> those but, are the guys yeah. who. It's funny is those some of the guys that you named that they have to sit down are the guys who would be playing on any other team if they had uh, to sit their guys. Remarkable that I'm talking about a 14 point spread and these guys being the reason that you can't play them because they're getting ready for a playoff game next week. Like, what universe am I in? It's a beautiful one, but Jesus Christ, um, wild man, wild man. Yeah. I'm really interested to see where you go on that spread. But, yeah, I'm a little concerned well, about this. I'm going to have a little gamesmanship on that one. I am going to – I don't care if we record for six hours. I'm going to refuse to make the pick until you do. <laughs> I, I'll sit here. I'm giving night. a filibuster. We'll just have dead air for five and a half hours. <laughs> You'll wake up and then go back and see if I said anything. I got my CPAP um, machine now. I'll have Michaela bring it in from, <laughs> from my bedroom. I'll throw it on and I'll go fucking sleep and keep recording. I don't care. I'm not picking before you. You're going to wake up and be like, oh, did I hear Sean make a pick? Well, it's people will understand that when I announce the standings. Yeah, no, there's that they will. Okay. Um, Chiefs beat the Broncos. Again, the Chiefs don't cover. The Broncos actually really played good, a good football in this game. But the Chiefs just, it's amazing how little they care about spreads and, and how, what kind of like style points they get. They just win fucking games, man. Yeah, the Chiefs, I hearken this year to um, LeBron James from the second Cavs stint on where they don't they'll take they'll take the entire game off. But when it's winning time, they'll they'll just turn it on. Yeah. And and I'm not worried about them. Yes. Um, All right. Moving on to the next game. Another pick of mine. I took the Lions. Lions beat the Bears 41 to 10. And yeah, um, Justin Fields got got hit pretty good too. Justin Fields is not going to start this coming week. Somehow Nathan Peterman is still the uh, uh, quarterback, a backup, a third stringer, whatever the hell he Zach is. Zach Wilson, there is hope, help. my friend. There it is. Back to Zach Wilson yet again. Um, I'm hurt, yeah, man. I'm hurt. <laughs> I know, man. I feel for you. I really do. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, Tom. This Lions team is still alive, but I hate the I hate the spot they're put in. Sunday night at Lambeau, we they love, still need help. They don't go, but they do hold the, the spot now. We love yeah. the spot that they're put in because the Packers could make the playoffs and the Lions could not, making us look better than Will. Yeah, it's a good point. Didn't think about <laughs> that, but it is sucks for if you're a Lions fan because like it's not whoever wins is in like uh, Tennessee Jacksonville, like they still need help. Um, but yeah, they took care of business. One thing we didn't talk about Tom, just to circle back to the Broncos, because we didn't record last week. We did not talk about the firing of Nathaniel Hackett and what that means for a very dysfunctional uh, Denver team going forward. Do you have any ideas that a Sean Payton team in your opinion? Did they, do they call I don't think Sean like, Payton. Where do they go? I, after watching, and he watched a lot of football this year because he's working for Fox after watching Russell Wilson. I don't care if Russell Wilson got coached by like a peewee coach after watching him this year. I I wouldn't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole with some of the other jobs that might come open this year or next year. Yeah. Not to mention the cap and pick hell that they are in. It's really an awful job. I don't know what direction they're going to go in, but yeah, that was always still there. Or did he finally just say like, um, I can't do this anymore. I I've, 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 he probably, he's looking at like a house burning down and just being like, yep, my work here is done. 
House is burning to the ground. I can't. Uh, me fixing the sink is not going to do anything at this point. <laughs> he is. Um, I I think that he's. Yeah, I think that he's still there. I don't believe that he's. No, he's no longer. This is as active as February twenty eighth of twenty. Are you checking so Twitter again, Sean? No, no, he's okay. Yeah, I just went to the just Google. Sure. He's out. Yep. Yep. Okay, good. I, 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 listen, I don't need your jokes about my Twitter search. I, I was wrong <laughs> once. Elway was Elway was just like, I gave you guys Peyton Manning, and then I fucked everything up for a couple of years here, and I really fucked you guys on this one. So my work's done. His work is done. But don't don't forget to celebrate me because I was your best player ever. Um, yeah, but moving on down the line, I did want to just mention that real fast. Um, a game that just brought me so much joy, and we have to talk about whatever the fuck quarterback situation your team was dealing with i think it was much more atrocious in washington because the browns beat the commanders 24 10 tom much more atrocious did on you both know, sides. yeah but did you know that if they lost that game and green bay won that they would be eliminated from playoff contention were you aware of that heading into sunday i i didn't know that but i'm also not the head coach of the team nice so like my life continued on the same exact path regardless. Um, but I don't think Ron Rivera is going to continue on the same path regardless. <laughs> How about that? I mean, that's such an awful look. I mean, it's already an awful look that you're starting Carson Wentz to try to put a spark under your team. The same guy that, the, that you pulled the plug for Taylor Heineke because the players didn't like playing with now in the most important game of the year, you're going to start Carson Wentz, who throws two interceptions, and then eventually a third. Yeah, and for Ron, <laughs> for Ron Rivera to not know that, it's like I'm happy that you were paying so much attention to the game, man, but that kind of went out the way when you said that Carson Wentz needs to start this game. Well, my only explanation for this is that Carson Wentz hired the same hypnotist that the Atlanta Braves use in contract <laughs> negotiations when it comes to whoever his head coaches are because – I mean, if if the United States as a fucking government gave this many chances to people, then we'd have murderers living next door in every neighborhood. Yeah, well, the U.S. government didn't do it with the Speaker of the House, um, C.M. McCarthy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just it, it really was an awful look all the way around. It makes me so happy because a couple weeks ago, it's like, oh, the Giants and probably not as good of a team as Washington or they didn't deserve to win that game because of the refs. I'm like, yeah, well, at least my head coach knows what the ramifications are. And uh, we're not starting Carson Wentz in a must win game. As for the Browns, I don't really have any comments on them. I still don't think Deshaun looks all that good, but they're not about this year. They're not playing in the postseason. I mean, they pulled him for Jacoby Brissett at, at a couple of times and then brought him back in. Like that's what you're spending your money and all your picks on for the next like five years. So bad. Um, Jags beat the Texans 31-3. Congratulations, Took care Texans. of business. You still have a chance at the number one pick in Jacksonville. You win and you're in. Yep, that was not an interesting game, but I'm happy for the Texans, given the way they were dragged through the mud in that situation. Although they are an absolute train wreck. They're horrible. They're horrible. But one great quarterback could change their entire future. So, we'll And to be honest, I have a soft spot for Lovey Smith, so I hope they keep him around. They're not going to. Dude, it's two years in a row with their head coach. I forget the guy's name last year, but David Culley. 
they let him go after a year when they were sabotaging that team, and they're probably going to do the same to Lovey, and it sucks. It does suck. Um, 49ers beat the Raiders 37-34. This was a battle of the backups and Stidham after Carr got benched for no real apparent reason whatsoever. Um, Although, in my opinion, I think McDaniels would have done this three weeks ago if he was allowed to. There was Um, a reason. Yeah, there was a reason. But, again, it wasn't because of an injury. Uh, That's what I meant to say. Thank you for... Give me a second to clarify that, but I think that he would that McDaniel's would have started Stidham like three weeks ago. Stidham was a stud; he tore apart that Niners defense. Yeah, did you have uh, Brock Purdy and Jared Stidham shootout in the second to last week of the season on your NFL bingo card this year? I did not, but you know what? For for a week that didn't have too much fucking muster, this like really gave us something. It was a great game. It was a compelling game and a fun game. I mean, Brock Purdy continues to look really good in that offense. Yeah, Jared Stim tore apart that San Francisco defense, man. What happened to them? Is that an anomaly? Because I did I did not see that coming. And is Stidham, is there any chance that maybe they found their next guy? No, it was one game, but Jesus. It's got to be a very much too early to tell situation. Um, they play Kansas City this week, so you know that Kansas City is going to let him do whatever he wants and then win the game at the end. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's way too early to tell. And I got to be honest, I find it hard to believe that he's just going to go in there next season as, like, no competition. He's the starter. We, we, we signed, you know, I don't know, Chad Henney as our backup. Like, he's the guy. It is a little weird, though, because McDaniels had him in New England. And he was never really given a shot once Cam signed in that COVID year. And Stidham had a weird, obviously crazy off season that year with, with the pandemic. So, I mean, I think McDaniels likes him, but I agree with you. It's way too early to tell, but he was for sure. He did not, he looked like he belonged on that field. He was not, we've seen a lot of games, man. I think, I think Delfer even mentioned this or Rosillo did, but it was like, you know, we see a lot of these quarterbacks, they, they get their first start, even Brock Purdy, I would say, you know, his first few games, it was like, he's dinking and dunking and putting the ball in the right spots to his playmakers, but the stats are not all that impressive. Sid was fucking slinging it. Yeah, he was throwing balls into tight windows and, and taking on the pressure. He looked great. Um, and this was another big game for me because you took the Niners minus five and a half, and they oh. did not cover. No. <laughs> Sons of bitches. Um, you want to talk about frauds amongst frauds. The Minnesota Uh-oh. Vikings. Your they boys. Lost, they should have lost to my team a couple weeks ago. The Giants had that win. The 61-yard field goal from a team that never makes clutch field goals. Eh, we'll wait to the playoffs. Maybe we get a chance at a rematch. But um, the Vikings go to Lambeau, and the Packers just fucking put it on them. 41-17. Cousins was awful. Jefferson didn't do fucking shit. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, it wasn't. it's not vintage Aaron Rodgers, but him with that running game, they're starting to click, man. They really are. Yeah, and their defense is starting to buck their heads a little bit too. For sure. I mean, that was an, that was an ass whoop. For sure. I'm ready to talk about the next game, though. All right, let's do it. I want to say this. 
A couple weeks ago, I declared that I'm when I make a point, I'm going to have more conviction before, from it, and you got all upset because you thought I had something against you. It wasn't against you. It was more against me. Next year for me, and this has truly nothing to do with you, next year for me is the year of sticking to my gut because the Chargers are now fucking, what, 10 and 6? 10 and 6. And I picked them to win the division. And no, did I pick them? No, no I picked, you picked the Chiefs. I picked them to to win the wild card and be a 10 to 11 win team. And then I fucking just like I did with the Tennessee Titans on the reverse end fucking waffled on it. And now I look like a little bitch because if I go, oh, I knew all along, I can't do that as a as a self-respecting human being because I in the middle of the year was calling for fucking Staley's job. And now they're 10 and six. And I was right in the first place. Next year is the year in the NFL, of sticking with my fucking gut. Are you pounding the table over there? I am pounding the table because I'm not... Next year, I'm I'm going to be a veteran next year. I'm not falling for fucking the week-to-week <laughs> fucking cycle, okay? It's a season-long sport, and I need to stop jumping on this Unlike bullshit. the other sports? No, because I, love- I feel like in the NFL, especially because well, you know, there's, only one game there's a such week. a cycle, you know, where you talk about it for six days and then you play it on the seventh. Exactly. It's like you got to talk about something. So then I talk myself out of it and whatever. So next year, yes, I was pounding the table. I'm fucking sticking to my gut because I made two good predictions that would have, you know, not everybody was making. And I was fucking right. I, I got to go to my notebook here, Sean. You can talk about this game. I don't really want to. I don't care a shit about this game. But um, I'll say this. Brandon Staley has been on the shit end of my stick for a long time. I don't. I have not been a fan of his for his management in games. Uh, I think his clock management blows. I sometimes think that team doesn't play for him. I, I do not trust him with fourth down opportunities. Uh, he's a little too crazy for me, and he also never takes accountability, which I don't like in a coach. Um, I understand trying to stick with your convictions, but for God's sakes, man, some of these decisions for the are just record, so bad. Yes, I have it pulled up here. I did have the Chargers winning the division, and I took their over at 10, and I took the Chiefs in second place with their over, so that means that I was assuming the Chargers were going to win at least 12 games. Um, wow. And I had Herbert as my MVP. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah that I, I I knew I knew you, me, and Will had completely different opinions on the Chargers and the Raiders. But anyway, to finish my thought, because I had the Raiders, I think, winning the division. So I put that in the Kirk Cousins and James Harden 2022 MVP race for me. Um, as far as bad bad picks, but listen, man, I gotta give Staley credit. Because this team has been just riddled with injuries. They lost Rashawn Slater, their top left left tackle. They've lost Derwin James at times. They've had some really good players uh, in and out of the lineup. Their defense has been riddled. Mike Williams, we know he's hurt all the time. Keenan Allen was out for a long time. I think Eckler was hurt for a bit. And all this team did was win. They won some tough games. And they acquitted themselves well in other games. So... I still think he's a guy that I worry about in the in the postseason in terms of how he's going to scheme games or certain decisions that are going to have huge ramifications of whether he's right or wrong. But the guy's clearly played for him, and he coached his fucking ass off in this season, and 
I gotta, I gotta give it up for him there, right? Yeah, no, I mean, ten and ten and six, possibly eleven and six. You're right. I, I do worry about him in the playoffs, and I'm just reviewing my predictions um, for this past year. And there's some really good, and there's some there's some brutally bad um, here that I'm looking at. Um, you know, I had yeah, that's the case every year for all. I of had us, the Eagles, right? Cowboys. I had the Giants under, but I had the Eagles, Cowboys over. I had Minnesota winning the division with the over. Packers in second with the under. That's pretty good by me. Lions with the over. Bears with the under. Uh, I had the Bucks winning the division. Who cares about the rest? I had the Rams. Ooh, Sean, that's bad. But I did have the Never Niners with an hurt. over. I did have He's the bad. Niners with an over. Um, yeah. You know, Buffalo, Chalky, Bengals. I had them, and I had the Ravens going under. AFC South is, is really... Um, is really where I, I, I struggled. Uh, I had the Colts at 9.5 wins over yeah, and winning. I think – I know I picked him too. I think Will did as well. But I I think it's tough, right? I mean, you see I mean, the that division is just – that division, they should really just fucking say, all right, there's another AFC wild card team, um, and we're going to let Trevor Lawrence pray for the Jets. <laughs> I do kind of really hope they win that game because I'd like to see Trevor Lawrence in a playoff game. I don't care if they get killed. 100%. 100%. Um, And it'd be good for the league, too. Um, Last game on the docket, Steelers beat the Ravens 16-13 on Sunday Night Football. I got to tell you this, Tom, and this was an idea that I thought about, and I'm just going to bring it to the pot at this time because I think it holds water. You just reviewed all of your correct and incorrect assumptions heading into the season, your predictions. So Kenny Pickett, I think, is a pretty good quarterback. See here yeah. where I'm going with this. I think he's okay. I do too. I, know I, I do. I, I Mike French had him as his fifth ranked quarterback in the French Five last year. Well, Behind, Sean, that's that's something I'm going to need you to file away, and that has to be brought up because our experts, we we give them applause and praise when they make the good picks. They yeah. have to be held accountable. Now, uh, now he, I, because I re-listened to that part of our draft extravaganza, because I was like, where did he have Pickett? And he had a fifth. I did. Oh, that was a marathon. You that, must have had to do a lot of fucking skipping. No, just that part was only twenty-five minutes. Um, <laughs> only twenty-five. <laughs> but no, because I, I was thinking, I'm like, you know, he said he was the most ready to be. He, he did say. You asked him who out of all these five guys is going to be drafted first, and he was like, "Oh, Pickett." So he was right about that. Um, he just didn't love him, and you know the small hands and all that. What I'm getting at is, I think Frenchie in the draft process this year, so we don't have a four hour long pod every week leading up. He's going to do the positions for this year, and he's also going to recap his French five from the year before, from this past year, and see how off he was. You like that idea? I like that idea. Let's hope. I mean, Frenchie's kind of got a bit of an ego. Let's hope that he agrees to it. He does have a bit of an ego, but I can break him down. Um, and you know what? I would also like to have him do some wild Mel Kuyper declarations where he says something like, if Brady Quinn isn't isn't an NFL Hall of Famer, I'm going to retire. The problem with him is that he is a uh, he is way too analytical for that. He's not a hot take guy. But. Yeah, I know. You know. Maybe but anyway, we can talk. We got to pull that out of him. We're 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 here to entertain we combine, as well. No, 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 no. What we'll do is I've got it all figured out. He's gonna do 
his French five as always, but we're not, we're going to space it out this year. We're not doing a four hour pod. And then will will come on and react to that with his hot takes. I like that. I got to hit up. Will obviously I saw him on Christmas. Um, and I got to see, I got to see what he's got cooking up. I got to see what the, what, what, what's just about ready in the oven for him to pull out. Well, it's, I'm sure he's been cooking something. Um, but anyway, <laughs> long winded way and suggestions. We're just thinking out loud on the pod yep. of me saying, I'm impressed with Kenny Pickett, man. This guy has commanded this offense and this team. It helps with not a little more zip the ball like that. A little more zip um, than I originally thought he had as well. He can get the ball to where it needs to go. He can run. He kind of reminds me of Daniel Jones in that regard, right? Like, he's more athletic than you think he is. I think Jones is faster, but he's kind of a bigger guy. He doesn't mind running out of the pocket, and he can throw on the run better than I thought he could too. Yeah, you know what? And and some somebody said – Earlier on this year, I don't remember who it was, and he got laughed at that Daniel Jones was a was a poor man's Josh Allen, and that doesn't look like I wouldn't say, it, but that doesn't look like the worst take of all time anymore. Well, Jones isn't going to run you over like Josh Allen will, but and he's yeah, not going to he's not going to breathe fire all over the field as as my Pope says. No, he's with his not. throwing, but he's gonna. But yeah, he's 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 Josh Allen White. I would say he's he's Josh Allen White, and that's more than good. And hey, Kenny Pickett, uh, I think the Steelers have a quarterback. Agreed. It it only took them one try, Jets. It's amazing. As for the Ravens, I don't really care. They clinched the playoff spot. Lamar still didn't play. I think we can finally put to bed all the Tyler Huntley noise about how coveted he's going to be because I don't really think he's any good. Yeah, no, he's one that I might not want on the Jets. How about that? <laughs> He's one that we could just hit the skip button on. You'll take Minshew, but not Huntley. Yeah. All right, Tom, before we make our picks, we got to run through the playoff picture real fast as we head into week 18, and we can do something that Ron Rivera didn't do, which is at least let people know what what's, at, what's at stake here. So in the NFC, the Eagles, if they can clinch the East and the number one seed with a win against my Giants and that 14-point spread you mentioned. The Niners are at two. They've clinched the West. The Vikings are at three. They've clinched the North. Those teams are both 12 and four. The Bucks, those eight and eight Bucks, are at the four seed. And you got the Cowboys, Tom. They can move all the way up to one somehow and win the East if they win and um, Philly loses to the Giants. The Giants, as I said before, locked into six. Then we have this three way, you know, kind of situation between the Packers, Lions, and Seahawks. I think all the Packers have to do is win and they're in. Do you have a prediction for where that last seed is going to go? Packers. All right. How do you see the top three shaking out after we get team? I I think I mean if the if the top two are locked in, if two and three are locked into where they're supposed to be, which is they're not. No. That's what I was saying. They're not. The top three are not locked in. Because the Eagles are thirteen and three, but if they lose and the other two teams win and the Cowboys Mm. win, shit, then we're talking about Four, twelve, and four teams. I think that the Eagles are going to win because I think they're just going to play because they really want that one seed, that buy in order to get Lane Johnson and Jalen Hurts and whoever else is hurt healthy. So I think the Eagles are going to win. So they're going to be locked in at one. Um, I'm looking at the matchups here. Um, 
San Francisco plays Arizona. They're going to win. I think they're going to stick around it too. I think this might end up being a little bit chalky um, because Minnesota plays Chicago against Nathan Peterman. I don't care that they're on the road. I need the Vikings to win. I need them at the two. Oh, but you, so you need the Niners to lose and the Vikings to win. Yep. I need the Giants. I don't see Minnesota. it. I, I, I hear you. I don't see it, but I hear you. If we play it for, at the 49ers, we're going to get steamrolled. Um, okay, so you picked the Packers to be the seven seed. I, I think so, too. I, I just think Lambeau at night against the Lions, they should win that game, and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady will both find a way in. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers against the Lions isn't as you know, uh, much of a lock as Aaron Rodgers against the Bears is, but it's pretty damn close. It is. On the AFC side, the Chiefs, they've clinched the West. The Bills, they've clinched the East. Um, the Bengals have clinched. They can clinch the North with a win against the Ravens. And then obviously we've talked about that Jags-Titans game. Once again, the AFC South and the NFC South, they are just dogs of division. Your Chargers are in. The Ravens are in. And then we have the seven seed. Up for grabs. If the Patriots beat the Bills, they're in. Tom, this is where we have to talk about the football side of the DeMar Hamlin situation. They're not playing this game, and they're going to base all of this shit off of win percentage. And the Bills and Bengals are going to have one less game than these other teams. Yeah, I don't... I mean, that... that I need somebody, a mathematician, to come on and fucking like work that one out for me. Um, so I don't even know what to tell you when it comes to the seating here. What's your gut say? Patriots, Dolphins, Steelers, who's in? Oh, for that one? Mm-hmm. Hold on. Pittsburgh, the Patriots please. win at the Bills. They're in. The Dolphins need to win against your Jets and the Pats to lose, and the Steelers need to win and both of those other teams to lose. So the Steelers need who to lose one more time? The Steelers need both the Patriots and Dolphins to lose. And then win. Okay. The, well, the Bills are going to be playing inspired. And I don't know who's playing for Miami. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh because they play wow. Cleveland in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is going to find a way to get in, and Tomlin just is going to have a grin from ear to ear in that press conference after. Oh, it'd be so great because I really don't want to. I don't want to see New England or Miami in. No, and I don't. I'm not even a really big Steelers guy, but I just love Tomlin so much that. Am I making a stupid prediction here? Yeah, but I'm also just kind of hoping for it. I don't think it's stupid because, again, the Patriots could get killed by a very inspired Bills team, right? The the Dolphins, they're starting Skyler Thompson. I mean. I mean, even the Jets, they might want to finish. They might have incentive to finish the season off on a high note. So you don't know, man. It's really interesting. And then in the top there, that's all jostled. Again, they're going to go off win percentage because if the Chiefs win, they're 14 and 3. If the Bills win, they're 13 and 3, but the Bills have the tiebreaker, so they'd get the one. Wow. Even though they play one less game. Wow. Well, That's where hey, that ramification comes in. That's just the way it goes, man. Yeah. So the Bills got something to play for. So I think they're going to win. 
And I and I like to think that the Dolph, that the Jets do have something to play for against the Dolphins. I mean, you've lost six straight games. Like, do you really want to end the season losing seven straight? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I do not. There you go. Okay, Tom, it is here. I can't believe it. It is the last week of the regular season, and it is time to make our picks. Why don't you give everybody the standings and recap last week? Oh, boy. All right, Sean. You and I both took – refer to Twitter for this. You and I both took the Giants minus four and a half. That covered. I took the Jets in an inspired heart pick minus two and a half. You took Seattle. Uh, you got that one. I took the Bucks. You went against me and took the Panthers, or I guess I went against you. Um, I got that one. And then you took the Niners. I took the Lions. That gave me a three and one record. That gave you a two and two record. Sean, the records as they currently stand going into week 18, the final week that we do this pick thing for the entire year, are I am 35 and 30, and you are 35 and 32. Now, I guess, I guess you could say that I'm two games up in the loss column, but I will. So if we're, I guess, if we were, you know, in the AL East and vying for a playoff position, that really does matter. But we're doing a stupid contest that neither of you, neither of us replay, repay bets on. So. Don't, I don't say really this is give, stupid. We, this is a gentleman's bet, and this. I don't. <laughs> I don't really give a fuck about the loss column, so I'd really like to just end the season with one more win than you. You know what? I I don't like that you're you know poo pooing this. I've put in a lot of time and thought into these picks, but I understand where you're coming from. You want one? Well, more yeah, wins. and I'm also I'm also two up on you in the loss column. So if there's anybody that would be like, well, I've I've got the better winning percentage, it would be me. Yeah, but it'd also be true because of your goddamn pushes. But hey, it is what it is, man. That's that's why Vegas I can't help. Is. I can't help it that I'm me and exactly. Vegas are simpatico. No, oh, you can't. That's a good job by you. I I yeah. don't have any of those guys. I'm a good things. handicapper. So, All right, first game. So far, first game we're looking at here. Let's go to let's go to my Jets. Um, they are in Miami and they are favored by a point. I I, I guess because. Who's playing quarterback again? I mean, who's playing quarterback for the Jets, but who's also playing quarterback for Miami? I've got the Jets here. Um, again, a heart pick. Um, I'm giving you the opportunity here for you to go against me if you really want to, but I'm going to go with the Jets. I really, really fucking want to, but I can't. So I'm going to try to cancel you out on this first game. I'm taking the Jets, too. I can't see a world in which Skylar Thompson beats your defense. And whoever plays for the Jets. I mean, also it's a cool the Dolphins name. defense. It is a cool name. And the Dolphins Sounds defense like blows, too. Skylar Thompson's a basketball name, though. So that's another reason why I'm going with the Jets, because this is football. There you go. That it is. Yeah, I'm taking the Jets, too. All right, we're moving ahead to your Giants here. And as I mentioned earlier on the pod, I just texted Michaela and told her to unplug my CPAP machine. So are you going to make your Giants pick, <laughs> or am I going to be fucking sleeping right here? Uh, we're going full filibuster. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, like I said, I don't think they're playing anybody, but I got to take the Giants. 14 points is just insane. And 
Yep. I see this with the assumption that Gardner Minshew is playing, and the Gardner Minshew I saw last week uh, was bad. And I still think Wink and Dable, even though they may not play all of their top personnel, these are guys that do not have any interest in losing games or lying down and just dying. So I think that they will hang. 14 points is crazy. So I'm going to take the Giants. Man, this is this is officially the hardest pick I've ever had to make now, Sean. Mm-hmm. Because, Good. because I don't want us to end on a tie. That would absolutely suck. And you and I could bowl. You and I could push the R two pick whatever games you want. This is truly this game could truly be the decider mm-hmm. of the season. That 14 points is so fucking heavy, but the Eagles really want a one seed, and the Giants are locked into the six seed, and Minshew Uh probably wants to be a starter next year. For the New York Jets, yeah. For for hopefully the Jets put anybody that would take him. So I've made dumber picks before. I'm going to go with Philly minus 14. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That was that was honestly that was me being stupid in the short term, but this will make for interest for an interesting pod next week and I'm a better CEO than I am a game picker anyway. <laughs> Listen, I, I will say this. Let's not forget that it was only three weeks ago where these two teams played in MetLife and it was twenty one nothing Eagles with in the first quarter. Now Jalen Hurts did play, Lane Johnson did play, the Giants were horrible. I don't think they cared that much about that game because it was before they played Washington. So I guess that was four weeks ago now. So it really didn't matter that much to the Giants, but oh, baby. Yeah, that's that's quite the – that is the Zoftic number right there, 14. All right, what's your third game? Tom, I didn't know where to go for some of these games, so I decided I was going to take the two games with the most on the line. Oh, so I went fuck. to Jacksonville on Saturday night where the Jaguars are a six-point home favorite. They blew out the Titans a couple weeks ago in Nashville. I think they're going to do it again. They're, they're, they're not starting Malik Willis, Tennessee, that is. They're starting Josh Dobbs, who I'll admit didn't look the, like the worst quarterback I've ever seen, but he didn't look like the best either. I think Jacksonville has been rolling. They've been putting up a lot of points of late. If you go back about five, six weeks, Lawrence is hitting his stride. Doug Peterson knows what it's like to win a last game of the regular season to get in. I'm taking the Jags. Okay. I, I just uh, I think the Jags are going to win. I think that spread with Rabel on the other side is just a little too heavy for my blood, um, especially because it is still Jacksonville. I'm going to Cincinnati. I'm taking the Bengals minus seven against the Ravens. Even after everything that happened Monday night? Yep. Okay. It's Joe Burrow. And it's it's winning time, and it's time to clinch a division. Uh, everything tells me logically you're right, but I don't know. Uh, that was a, I don't know how teams respond after that, but I I appreciate you going that route. Obviously, I buried the lead. My last pick: Detroit at Green Bay, Sunday Night Football. Packers win and they're in. Lions win and they need some help. They will have already known what happened in this game, and I think that they will know when this game goes that they're not in the postseason. And Aaron Rodgers, Sunday night at Lambeau, to win. That's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. 
I am taking the rolling Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers will find himself into the postseason yet again. Well, for those rooting at home, I guess you guys are really going to have to watch that Eagles-Giants game because outside of Cincinnati and Jacksonville, if both of us lose or both of us cover, it's going to come down to the Eagles versus the fucking Giants for the season. Even more reason for you to root hard against the Eagles. And I've got the Packers. Minus four and a half. I wrote it down and I ain't changing it now because whenever I try and change it on the fly to make things look different, I pick a stupid mm-hmm. game, so I'm just going to stick with it. Caution in your picks, too, this year when you you know, going against them. Or not picks, rather, your uh, predictions, your preseason predictions. So Stick with your conviction, man. I, I don't hate it. I was hoping that you weren't going to go this game. But let's go Giants. Hey, listen, uh, I'm – I think that's going to be the determiner, really, truly. I and agree. It'll just really be kind of poetic if the, you know the Eagles have done so much shit to the Giants over the last few years, and if they could just get you one more time, it would just the hate for the Eagles would grow even more. It'd be great. Oh, it would be great. Now, the only downside of this is, is if the and I'm not even I'm not picking the Giants to win this game. I'm picking them to cover two touchdowns and two extra points. But if the Giants win this game and the Cowboys send off the Sam Howell, another quarterback Frenchie picked ahead of Kenny Pickett, um, in terms of who he liked the most, uh, Washington Commanders, the Giants hope the Dallas Cowboys win the NFC East. So I hate both yeah, of these but teams, it's also but you kinda, know how I feel It's about pick your Eagles. poison. You hate the Eagles more than I you hate, hate the Cowboys. Detest so. them. I'm just For saying me, I don't like it either way, but yes, obviously I. I just you're in the playoffs. What else is there to say? For me, I would much rather be the have the uh, the Eagles be the one seed, and the Cowboys have to go on the road and play a division winner because you know that's one. Hopefully, the Cowboys will lose in the playoffs, and that's literally just one. Literally again, fuck. That's literally just one week less of time that I have to hear Will talk about the Cowboys. Literally, if I have to hear Will talk about an NFC championship game between the Eagles and Cowboys, I will literally not watch that game and remove myself from any football for the rest of the year. I could not. That is my worst nightmare. Eagles, Cowboys, NFC championship game. That would be a tough one, but I I think whoever that team plays, probably the Chiefs, is going to get their ass kicked in the Super Bowl. I know, but I don't care. I don't want, I don't want either of them. But hey, will I got a Giants jersey I can ship up to you prior to the game uh, on Sunday if you you want to wear it. So wow, okay, okay. He's rooting we'll he's hard for the Giants this week. Oh, for sure. We'll we'll see if he has to. We'll see if he has a rebuttal for that. I'm sure he will. <laughs> he always does. All right, man. That that's about it. Anything else new and exciting in your new year? Holidays were good. Yeah. Holidays were really good, man. Yeah, it was freezing here for that little bit, and now it's beautiful again. Um, yeah, everything's been good. Uh, starting the new year off very well. I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. So, how was your Christmas? Because you weren't sick yet then, right? It was you no. got it 
afterwards. Got it. Got it. Um, last Thursday, so whatever day that was, the twenty eighth, 29th, something like that. Now Christmas was good. Uh, first Christmas engaged, so it was a lot of running around for Michaela and I. Uh, so how that go? Developed. It was good. Um, it just way too much bouncing around, but we've already. We athletes make adjustments as I explained to her, and we've already made a get better game plan for next year. Um, we're gonna on Christmas Day, we're gonna start somewhere in the morning, spend a lot of time there, and then just move to the other house and spend the rest of the day there because we did a little bit of bouncing back and forth today. I was trying to be too much of a people pleaser, and I spread myself a little thin. And you know what, man, that's what it's all about. I mean, you've got to figure out, you know. Family dynamics are tough, and especially with how many different people pulling you in whatever direction. So, it, you, yeah, you'll and, figure. And we it just out. didn't know. It was it was year one, and like I said, athletes make adjustments. So that's what we're gonna do. And you know, like every other year when we were just dating, it's like, yeah, Michaela may have stopped by, you know, when the party was winding down for five minutes just to say hi because we were still living together, and she was still my girlfriend. And I may have stopped by at her family's house before I went to my family's or whatever. But like, this was like every second we're together. We're engaged now. We have to, we're, we're a package deal. Yeah, and it was, it was a lot of bouncing around. So next year, plan our flag for the morning, then plan our flag for the afternoon and then go home. I love it. I, and I'm sure that's going to be very doable. And, and also, you we know, both sure our families of, both live in the same hometown. So it wasn't that bad. Great. Yeah. No, but it still is a lot of driving around, and it's hectic during holidays. And also, you know, you guys didn't have that Thanksgiving where, you know, like what my brother and his fiance do is like, okay, Thanksgiving we're going to do with this part of the family, even though their their families live very close. Or, you know, when my parents come down um, and are in, are in Richfield, and, um, you know, her family's from like 10 minutes away. So... It's very easy, but they're like, we're not bouncing back and forth. We're going to do Thanksgiving with one family, Christmas with the other, and we'll alternate holidays. If one family feels more strong about the other holiday, then we'll do that. I'm sure you guys will find a nice routine. Well, yeah, and, and you know that the ultimate elixir is you have a kid, and then you yep. just say, you know, you have you buy a house, you have a kid, and then you say, hey, I'm having Christmas here, man. I got a young kid, you know. If you want to come, cool. If not, don't. Uh, I'll send you a text. Like, but I don't 100%. have that kind of carte blanche yet. Not yet. But hey, a couple of years ago, you didn't have the situation you're in now. So you're you're exactly. making progress, good buddy. Well, I'm glad to hear that it was good. I'm glad to hear that you are feeling better. You really pushed through on this pod today. Not that I had any doubt that you would. But um, it was yeah, a good one too. Need- I thought I I thought I was really lively. This CPAP machine's working great for me, and I've come in hot. I was going to say, you don't need the CPAP for the filibuster. We made our picks, and you really – no, you sounded great. You, you did great. You brought the energy. I think you had a lot of pent-up thoughts and, and emotions and things you wanted to say. I know I did, and uh, we brought it as always. Yes, sir. You did a great job as, as always. Um, anything else going on? Anything you got to let the pod know about before we hop off? We'll be doing the pod next Wednesday. Um Shit, we could probably even do earlier because of there's no Monday night. But uh, I got my parents coming into town a week from today, a week from Thursday. So for wow. four days. Okay, I, I well, we'll make them. sure. Haven't seen uh, them I like will make year. sure. I know. That's I, I know. And I, that's why I think nothing of it because I see my mom all the time. But then you remind me that you never see him. So that's awesome to hear. 
let's make sure that we get the pod in before your parents come in. And we, and then you can just free up time to, to you know, hopefully they spoil you. See, man, that's my thought. And it's, <laughs> and it's funny because I was thinking, I'm like, you know, all the time, like, oh, you know, you get to come to Austin in January. It's it's the weather's going to be great. You know, you get to leave Cape Cod where they live in the dreary Northeast. No, they've been in Florida for the last month and a half. So I was I was about to say, let's not. <laughs> so actually, first of all, your parents, <laughs> your yeah. parents live in Cape Cod, which is fucking awesome. And then yeah. I was like, wait a minute, don't your parents fucking spend a majority of their winters in Florida? I don't feel bad for one goddamn bit. I don't either. I'm like, I'm asking them to leave 80s so they could come to high 60s. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. But, well, they yeah. probably no. it probably is a little hot there for them. It probably is. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I. But listen, I'm excited. The weather's going to be good, really good here, and there's a lot more sightseeing. The only time they came to visit me was when I was only living here for like eight months, and I'm a much better tour guide now. So, gotta there entertain go. them and and hope that they can spoil me a little bit, and then I'll see them, you know, in another like five six months. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm I'm happy. Um, don't be too hard on your dad. Well, we'll talk about this next week. I, I mean, yeah, he's he's a Jets fan. I texted him and he's. I, I was like, I really am sorry for for that for the way your season ended. He's like, I don't care. It's college football season, baby. You know how many seasons? He's like, every football season ends in disappointment. I'm numb to it. I was like, all right. Yeah, he seems like you're doing all right. Let's just let's try and get him a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. Uh, he has yeah, playoff berth. Let's start with that. How about that? We'll end with this on the pod. I knew it was sad when he was celebrating the 2007 and 2011 Giants Super Bowls as if the Jets won. A, because he was so proud of the fact the Patriots lost because he obviously hates them. And the second part of being like, this is the closest thing I'll ever see with New York Super Bowl. So I'm happy for you. I was like, that's really thank you. And also that's really pathetic. Yeah, on that note, um, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with everybody next week. We'll catch up with everybody next week.